and welcome to the WCW vs. NWO podcast, the podcast that analyzes, dissects, and badly parodies one of the most important areas of wrestling history. I'm your host, Dave. In this episode, we're going to go through Fall Brawl 1997, this cast second War Games, Whew, one of my favorite matches. War would be impossible, of course, without your soldiers, and I have two of the very best ring generals with me today. First, from Dublin, Ireland, Fergus Looney. How are you doing, Gus? Good, good. It's it's always so strange to hear my full name being used. I feel like, feel like I'm going to get in trouble for something. Uh, but I'm good, I'm good. Looking forward to talking as always. Awesome, excellent. And from across the pond, from Chicago, Illinois, it is Connor O'Donnell. How are you doing, Connor? Hey, yo, Dave. I'm, I'm doing good. You used soldiers again. You've you've repeated a gimmick. That's, oh, that's awful. I, I expect way more from you, Dave. Come on. <laughs> I feel like you have so few jobs and you failed already. <laughs> so I, already. I have this joke at the start of the cast and I have a repeating joke at the end of the cast. And I stupidly never took notes of which ones I've used. So I just oh. <laughs> so I kind of have to try and remember what I used for episodes. It's not great. I'd like to be surprised, but... No. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, we're talking about WCW, so whatever. Yeah. You know. I mean, the general attitude of who cares? Do they, they remember just, week just to week? So gimmick or infringement all over the place. It's absolutely fine. Yeah. Well, wh- whatever. I mean, I've actually been pretty excited to talk about this show. The things have been happening in Nitro. So, uh, I, yeah, I've actually been enjoying some wrestling here. Yeah. Every every episode, the Nitro recap has become more and more important. Just more stuff happening on Nitros. Maybe it's the war really kicking into full gear. But saying that, I think we're going to kick it straight over to the Nitro Recap because there's so much to go over. Nitro Recap. We are live chronicling the past month of WCW Monday Nitro. In our number one of this podcast, we take a look at almost like an unrecognizable wrestling show. This is weird, guys, because <laughs> there's been actual like emotion and storylines built up. Like, I don't even know what I'm watching anymore. And the NWO, they continue their momentum after regaining the world title. And they continue to abuse their power in childish ways, of course, to further demoralize WCW. WCW had to appoint an interim commissioner or like executive producer, whatever they're going to call it. I'm just going to say commissioner for that just sounds better with Hollywood Hogan injuring JJ Dillon, you know, that old geezer using the devastated leg drop. They should ban that move, by the way. <laughs> by God, it's just injuring the folks left and right. Uh, Roddy Ryan Piper named commissioner the following week. We haven't seen Piper since his match with Flair at Bash at the Beach. I think he's just been gone off TV for the past month or two. So what do you guys think of Commissioner Piper? Do you think it's a good choice for WCW? Oh, yeah. I, I think probably Commissioner Piper is what he should have come in as instead of a wrestler at all. But I'm just happy to see him in a position that maybe doesn't let him wrestle as much. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, as far as storyline, I don't think it's the best choice because we've had this guy say several times, oh, I'm not really with WCW. So in that sense, I don't like it. But yeah, backstage, this is probably the best way to incorporate your aging veteran into your show. Yeah, I mean, they're probably going, we're paying him this amount of money. We better get him something to do because he's there either way. But yeah, I'd agree. The The continuity is not at its at its highest level there. At the same notion, you, you kind of want somebody zany to kind of shake things up because J.J. Dillon's kind of like the straight man trying to play by the rules-ish. 
I mean, he's not quite like Commissioner Foley or like CEO Stone Cold, so he's not going to shake up things, I think, that, that much. But I think Zayn enough for WCW to kind of tip the momentum back their way is, is sure. kind of the story they're going for. So, I, yeah, I actually kind of like this. Yeah, they, I do agree with you guys. They kind of booked themselves in the corner with the lone wolf angle, which never really made any sense in any of it. But, yeah, this this is fine. Piper's first move as commissioner, though, he books a cage match between himself and Hollywood Hogan at Halloween Havoc. Not a title <laughs> match. Not a, of course. He, he's he, so smart. Yeah, you got to keep that long-term booking going. He's, Piper not being the, the smartest individual. He's so smart. <laughs> but other important decisions Piper made, these are a little bit more, I would say, impactful to helping WCW. Piper promises he'll do whatever it takes to get a match between Hogan and Sting signed before the end of the year. So Sting... He's made numerous appearances over the past month, much more deliberate in his actions than like this month compared to like the past here. But JJ Dillon, though, he was befuddled with Sting turning down a match with six, though. Is that the best you can do, JJ Dillon? That that's what you're gonna do? Here you here you go, a guy that continues to be jobbed out to Flair and just hasn't been around that long. That will certainly bring you back in. But Gene and Dylan, they finally ask Sting, what do you want? Instead of just giving him contracts, Sting tarried it up. So we're finally done with that. Gene asks, what do you want? Crowd chant Hogan. Sting points at the audience, even grabs a sign from a fan and brings it to the ring. I guess that's a nice cop-out way for the Sting character not to verbalize his feelings, but I thought it's whatever. We're we're moving the story further, so we now know that this is what the match is going to be. They don't say that it's going to be at Star K, but it's pretty much assumed. I want to say I love the daring. So they've obviously gone out there with the hopes that he didn't need to talk, and what if the crowd had chanted anything else? <laughs> or what if the crowd just don't chant, or what if they just chant, chant Sting? You know, Sting, Sting, Sting. And he's kind of like, ah, well, I hope they one just, of those close to the audience. They book Sting <laughs> versus NWO Sting for Starcade. <laughs> <laughs> that was the good yeah. <laughs> Oh, no one, no one close to the barricade has a Hogan sign. Oh, my uh. God. Uh, <laughs> Alex, right? Alex, yeah, right? Alex, right. Alex, <laughs> his, his team music comes on. Oh, it's just ballsy move, I think, by by WCW in general. There, just very much hoping to kind of buy. Yeah, I mean, in a, in a way, I mean, you could you could tell this was a little bit planted. Obviously, like yeah. Sting grabbing a sign that says Hogan versus Sting. So some of this had to been planted, but yeah, I think some of this was definitely organic. The the crowd wants to see Hogan beaten up, and Sting. This has just been obvious that. Staying as Juan at Hogan. They've done like little teases here and there in the past. So this this felt organic up until this point. Sure, sure. But we've also had a really awkward moment that I, I don't think I remembered from highlight packages because uh, there's good reason why it's not <laughs> included in highlight packages. So in hindsight, uh, when this came up around this time, I'm sure it was fine. But now it's really awkward to look at. So Hogan comes to the ring uh, one Nitro and challenges Sting for a match at Nitro. And a mannequin of Sting repels from the ceiling and falls to the ground. And MWO play it up as Sting is really hurt. And they eventually bring him to the ring and beat him up and oh. declare themselves victorious. No. Yeah, the onus is more on WWE to edit this fucking thing off Nitro. I mean, it's really not necessary to the progression of the angle. Oh, that does not <laughs> age well. Gosh. So dumb. Like... <laughs> I love I love wrestling. Just... Yeah, I know. <laughs> in fairness, if the if the own heart incident had never happened, maybe we'd just be like, "Oh, this is a bit goofy, but unnecessary." Now it's just oh, so cringy. 
Right. It's it's but seriously, quick edit off the the network. They they edit all so many different weird things off a network. Yeah. Whatever. It's, well, so. It seems to be like from what I can gather, Connor, it's that like if stuff is edited, it's probably when it was done originally, mm-hmm. and then it's just being uploaded to the network. And that's why it's so wishy-washy, I'd, I'd say, is yeah. how it's coming out. So, like, that's fair. this was just given to them, and at the time, they didn't think to do it, so it's just never going to get done. <laughs> well, there's various examples of that, but uh, I well, let's, let's move on. There's so yeah. much to talk about. We, we also have the final change from Piper, which is probably the biggest change. Luger DDP out of the War Games match since they've had trust issues going into the match. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Four Horsemen were now the representatives for WCW in the main event against the NWO. So... The whole time we've been doing this podcast, I felt like little no emotion throughout this whole timeline. All the I'm damn sick and tired of the NWO promos, like it's just not getting it done. And we've maybe had like a little elation when like Luger won the title, but nothing like this until now. It's the culmination of which side is Kurt Hennig on? And I have to admit, like it was pretty boring at first, but they they really did a good job this month. So is he a horseman or is he with the NWO? He's even had talks with Eric Bischoff. But he's also been tagging with Ric Flair. So the problem is Hennig is just not committal. Rick constantly has been asking him, begging him for an answer. He just would not give one. So what better way to persuade Hennig than the return of Arn Anderson? Now, Arn has been absent since maybe December. It's been a really long time. And yeah. it didn't really feel like we needed him to persuade somebody like Jarrett because nobody likes him anyways. But... <laughs> Arn just cuts this like amazing promo on Nitro, giving like the update on his health, letting everybody know his wrestling career is over, and he's like giving it all his got. We we've just sorely missed someone like Arn, his ability to deliver a promo with such passion and just such I need to listen to this guy. And there's not really many people in the company that are like that, which is saying something with this guy that's like he says, like, I don't really have the best ability or best look or anything. I'm just kind of an average guy. And he just mentions not being able to like hold anything in his right arm. It's just, oh, it's so heartbreaking watching this. It's a real good blend of the truth and work stuff for wrestling in order to get it over. But like, he really does care. You can tell like how much it matters to him and how much it sucks that he's like, yep, I'm done. I can't do what I've always wanted to do anymore. It's kind of horrible to watch in, in some ways. <laughs> Flair crying doesn't help. I mean, he cries all the time, yeah. so it's not not saying much. But yeah, you can you can you can see the heartbreak in, in Rick's. There's a great shot of Arn trying to deliver the promo, and Rick's in the background just holding back tears. Yeah, it's. I was going to say the same. It's wrestling is fantastic when it's a blend of reality and storytelling, and this is a perfect example. It's super sad that Arn went without any fanfare. Couldn't get, get a last match. Couldn't get a last run. He was barely in a storyline when he got injured. It's horrible. I think it's a good place to use it. I think it brings some real intrigue in. I think it's sad that something this tragic has to happen before the storylines resonate with anyone, become like relevant or become emotional, as uh, Connor said. But Arn would have loved his retirement to be used as uh, as a jumping off point for a storyline for sure. Like he's so old school like that. The camera guys get a really good shot as well of how gnarly his next car is. At one point, if if you were if you were wondering like what happened to him, and then you saw it, you were like, "Oh, okay, that's that looks real bad." It, it's it's really weird. I, I felt like the production is just like they took like a 
two month nap and all of a sudden they woke up for these like <laughs> yeah. past like two weeks they're like oh yeah and i was like wow this is really well done and, and th- all this culminates to arn finishes off by offering his spot as the enforcer for the four horsemen and hennick says it would be his pleasure and then we have the following week on nitro wcw dedicated the whole show to arn Anderson, sprinkling some highlights from arn's career so it really make this, this this kind of nice celebration, like, oh, let's remember the good times of WCW because we don't want to think about the NWO just because they've been kicking their asses so much. And then the NWO, timely, they respond in the only way they can, childish mocking Arn and the Horsemen. We have the infamous parody promo. We can, we can talk about all the other parody <laughs> promos that have come after this. And let's talk about this one first, and then we can kind of uh, riff on the other ones. So there are multiple layers to why this is bad. And I, I will admit I start in the camp of not enjoying these parody promos in general. They have to be very good before I enjoy them, or at least very brief. And this was neither. Arn's actual retirement speech clocked in at less time than this very long-winded parody promo. But we get Buff out as Mr. Perfect and or Kurt Hennig, and he doesn't know how to make fun of him because Kurt doesn't really have that much to make fun of. What do you make fun of? His good physique? His good wrestling? He's over. Throwing the towel. It's the yeah. towel. He just kept throwing the towel. great. He just kept throwing <laughs> the towel over each shoulder. I'm like, that's, that's not funny. At least, like, drop it or do something silly with it or, like, fail to spit out your gum. Like, make, make him look like an idiot. But he just keeps throwing the towel. And the funny thing is he almost misses it and falls off the stage once. You can see he kind of stumbles, grabbing for it, and he stops. And I thought it would have been hilarious if, as Mr. Perfect, he had fallen off the stage, grabbing his towel. But yeah, it's just, the thing is, as well, at least some of the other wrestlers in the ring, making fun of the the horsemen, end up being very respectable workers themselves. Buff is very bland. (laughs) He's making fun of another person that has had a very good and not bland career. Did Did you hear that, Connor? Dave said Conan was a respectable wrestler. I know. I'm. I'm. Se- I'm secretly pumping my fist. <laughs> yeah, it's. Been, I don't respect Conan. But it's been some clipped. It's out been there. clipped forever now. You're. You're done. Like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna put that on repeat. Oh yeah. yeah. Start of every yeah. episode. Some people. Some, Got him. Some people out there. I. I don't like Conan, but he has indeed had a very good career. <laughs> no, no, no. That's not what you said. I'm afraid. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> So it's kind of it's kind of weird. I actually enjoyed this promo a lot. I mean, I I totally agree. Yeah. I think it's way 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 too long. I I, I did enjoy Six's uh, flair impression. Nash is he goes way off the rails, but Nash uh, is just the way he looks was so ridiculous. I think that's what makes it for me. Nash, I think, is great, and <laughs> Conan as Mongo looks amazing. <laughs> yeah, I think. It's just so amusing. Just, just so the <laughs> listeners know, all all Conan does is Mongo's hold up four fingers and keeps wringing his hands like Mongo does in the background all the time. Which now I can't un- I can't unsee that. By the way, anytime I see a four horseman promo now, all I can <laughs> yeah. see Mongo in the background wringing his hands. I'm like, God damn it, Mongo, stop! <laughs> For the love of God. And I have to say, I think my favorite part of the promo is that they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna do this joke." But we're not gonna have anybody be Chris because we're probably scared of Chris. Uh, so yeah, it was, some bits did hit a mark. Like Kev is a naturally funny and charismatic guy. The one thing I don't get about him, and I've never got about stuff like that, is he. So he puts on a big fake stomach to make fun of Arn, and then I'm like, Arn's not that fat. <laughs> like there's just bigger people. There's a lot fatter people on the roster. Arn's in pretty decent shape for his age. I thought. 
it just doesn't hit home. I, like carrying, he carries a beer cooler down. It was like, good news, there's beers on ice, Four Horsemen. I'm like, Kev, you and Hall are such notorious alcoholics. You can't make fun of someone else for that. That is what you have in your locker room waiting for you. If that was full of actual beers that you and Hall were going to drink later, I wouldn't be shocked. That is not something you can make fun of another wrestler for. Of course you can. <laughs> they were like notorious for just going town to town and drinking that's, everything. That's true. Like. And then... That's total fair game, like yeah, for sure. I, I, apparently, like that part of the promo got a lot of heat. I I, I don't know what to believe <laughs> with that because like when I first watched it, I was like, oh whatever, it's just kind of childish yeah. acts. Like there didn't seem yeah. anything too offensive. It didn't seem to go over the line. He's so, just trying to present him as like the dumb dock worker, right? Like, yeah, because he's like because he said he's the average guy. Yeah. So, and then they put a lot of emphasis on spot, not your dog spot, not a liver spot, but my spot. But that was like maybe a little funny the first time they say it, but Kev repeated it maybe seven times. Nine thousand times, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is really this was a this jo- joke, and if you thought it was subtle the first time, oh, you're gonna love it the second time. It it was fine. This is not as bad as the Nation of Domination that Xbox has to do a couple years later, which is. <laughs> All right. Well, would you say it's more effective for building this feud then? I, I, they need to be disrespectful. I, I think it's fantastic that they're disrespectful towards Arn's. That sounds weird, but it is fantastic that they're disrespectful to Arn's retirement because <laughs> that's what that's what someone like Arn wants. You need you build an angle from his retirement, and it brings actual actual good heat to the NWO, not just childish heat. But at the same time, <laughs> they've managed to do it in a very very childish <laughs> childish way. Uh, so I, I still think it's effective, which is good anything that's effective whether i like it or not is good i just wish they could have done it in a slightly in a slightly different way i'm assuming that i already know the answer to this question because now that i've thought of it in my head i think I, I know but would it have been better if there was a physical altercation you know what yeah like the the heels getting chased off at the end or something no 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 i'm saying instead of doing the the parody they destroy iron like they send him to the hospital or something that would be great but i assume iron can't can't bump at that stage i'm assuming that he just wasn't cleared to do anything so i mean i'd buy the shirt as well the shirt was decent they had they had the four donkeys with a four kind of branded to the back of them yeah it was it was decent i i mean there's sure there's other ways you could have done this but i in my opinion i thought it was pretty effective and i think it was so I think the reason why it was more effective is just because if you watch that Nitro, it's really just you're seeing all these highlights like, man, Arn is just so fucking good. And man, WCW has a nice rich history. And then these fucking pricks come out and it's like, come on, horsemen, get them. Exactly. Maybe that's absolutely perfect. Maybe I'm supposed to hate this even as like a smirk. Mm -hmm. Maybe this is either they appeal to you because you're like a young teenager and you're like, yeah, farts and fat jokes. I love it. (laughs) <laughs> or you're like older and you're like, that's a bit childish. I wish this angle was done more seriously, but you still hate them. Yeah. I mean, the, but the, the following day, week still- it gets, it gets super serious. Cause it's kind of in the opening video package. Flair cuts this promo. You can see he is like purple. Like I always would always joke when I was watching WCW around this time, I'm like his heart is Flair going to have a heart attack or what? And yeah. Of course they have, <laughs> yeah. They have that as an angle later. I hope we get to talk about that one, but the promo he cuts, they come out the first segment of nitro. They refuse to leave the ring. They know it's on, and even Nash is like, "Well, it's uh, emotions a little high right now. We need to, we need to be cool, like the end of the 
Very few times you can say we've had some enjoyable promos on Nitro, so thumbs up from here. So we are out of time on the Nitro recap. It is time for Fall Brawl 1997. package of the pay-per-view i think sets the tone we get the nwo versus the horseman rivalry and we get some recaps of the promos we talked about in the nitro recap plus we get to hear some of the passionate response that we talked about flair giving and it's on he challenges them to war games the four horsemen signature match i found out i didn't know it was really kind of created for the horsemen it's thrown to the desk and we have a new commentary team mike Tanay starts out instead of dusty and we'll spoil it now. Dusty isn't out to any part of the night. What do you think of the Dusty uh, free commentary boot, guys? Boo. boo. Yeah, super boo. He's back next month. So I'm, what is going on? He this missed just his weird. signature pay-per-view. <laughs> like, yeah. He's the creator of the war games himself. like, And he's not there for the pay-per-view. Maybe the best match he's created. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Yeah. He, he misses the Haas off, too. Oh, there was a lot of yeah. clubbering he missed. <laughs> Holy crap. Can't wait to get to that yeah, match. I, mi- I miss <laughs> Dusty a bit. Uh, at one point, we get a four-man boot in this pay-per-view. And that doesn't even involve Busty. Awkward. Yeah. If it was just Tanae the whole time, it, I think I would have been okay with it. But bringing Larry in, we, we oh, talked about a little bit about yeah. how I don't like about I don't like Larry that much. Yeah, but I guess they wanted to incorporate him into a match, so I guess that's why. But still, well, we'll get to it, but it's very forced. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll see what happens with Larry a bit later on in the pay per view, and we'll talk about if we liked him since it's his debut at, uh, at a pay per view in the cast. I think we heard a bit from from the Nitro, the Hunter Nitro. We go straight into our first match for the return of Eddie Guerrero. He is going to be fighting Chris Jericho, the Cruiserweight champ. The last time we saw the Cruiserweight title, it was around Alex Wright's dancing hips. Alex lost it to Chris on a random Saturday night. Is that right, Connor? Yeah, for some reason, Chris Jericho just keeps getting the shaft in this whole title picture. Yeah, it's really weird. Then Chris faced uh, Eddie at the last ever Clash of Champions, retained the title, but Eddie is demanding a rematch, says that Chris only beat him from pure luck. He's even begging some of the other cruiserweights for their title shots, really showing off his new heelish persona now that he's come back from the peck tear. Eddie is just fucking amazing now. Just turn him heel. He is like the greasy hair. I don't know why greasy hair makes you heel. Just does. <laughs> he, has, he doesn't have that dumb jacket anymore, he, but he is just in phenomenal shape as well. Yeah, the very first thing I, I have written down for this match is he looks a million times better than he did the last time we saw him. 
it's something about greasy wet hair that just makes wrestlers look look better automatically it's like they, it covers up the fact that he has a really shitty mullet uh, <laughs> <laughs> i watched the wrestler recently and they were like soaking wet when they came out and i'm like are they sweating is it like shane mcmahon level sweat no his hair was just like dripping wet he has drenched his hair before the match like he knows he knows the business dry hair is for idiots <laughs> but eddie does look fantastic here and you can see shades of his like his later kind of heel runs in WWE and some of his really good career stuff. He just looks less cartoony with the slick back hair, kind of nice new trunks. Not that stupid jacket is gone. He isn't faking being oh, happy all God. the time. It's, <laughs> it's just way more realistic and way more of this era. Jericho comes out second with the title and on the network stranger, he gets his uh, break the wall downs. Uh, the, his like original song from WWE if you listen to it anywhere else, he has like this weird Connor has it written down here on the show notes as even flow ripoff. I went with oh, grunge rock ripoff, but it's yeah, it's such just, an even flow ripoff. Oh, it's it is even flow. Like it's it's like they they change like two notes and it's like it's not the same. Ding, 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 ding. It's as close to even flow <laughs> as you can get without being like sued. Sued. Right. Yeah, so surprisingly, or unsurprisingly, wasn't changed. Uh, unsurprisingly, was changed for the network. The start of this match is a complete story. And yet they, of, no, but it's not surprising. Oh, it is surprising because, like, they let DDP have his music, and that's not, that's really close to Nirvana. No, it is changed. It's changed, <laughs> but it's 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 still close enough. You could tell. <laughs> I I know, I know. It's it again. Yeah, all this music copyright stuff is just like it's fascinating. Yeah, I will never understand. It's it. weird, like that they'll put in the effort to just change DDP's music to be similar to his original, but they'll just put Jericho's WWE music that everyone knows wasn't in WCW over even flow. It, it, it's 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 like they have different editors on the network, and one of them's putting in a lot of work, and the other guy's like, uh, just paste over something different. <laughs> <laughs> or it's just like a dude has gone, yeah. Well, they asked us not to use this music. Okay, we can't use that. Yeah, that, that's probably way more realistic. The whole start of this match is all about Eddie really getting his heel character over, covering his ears when the the crowd start to chant to around. The first few exchanges, Eddie is just showing the ref that he's getting his hair pulled. When the ref won't listen to him, he pulls the ref's hair to demonstrate what's happening to him. I really liked his, uh, he's like throwing tantrums when he doesn't get the upper hand. I really like uh, his kind of heel shtick. So the mat wrestling in this, I noted, was very arm drag heavy. And I don't know if they're trying to make this kind of a theme of the match, but I think Chris easily does 12 arm drags in this match. What do you did you guys notice this? Am I being a bit critical? I have it down that there's there is an arm hold that goes on for a really long time. Yeah. And later on I'm wondering like how does that fit into the match? Like how does hurting his arm going to change things? Yeah, I wasn't really sure on that, but I think they do a good job of building their match with the amount of time that they get. I, I, I do think so. Uh, after some early control by Chris and all these arm drags and arm holds, Eddie turns the tides by uh, dropping out of the ring and uh, hanging Chris up uh, over the top rope by his throat. He slows the pace down as well. He plays very well to his heel role and he doesn't let the match get going. In a good way, there's other matches on this card that I'll note there's a lot of very boring rest hold and eddie manages to make slow pace not boring a really sick looking spot where eddie goes from mexican surfboard 
but stops halfway through and locks in a dragon sleeper. After a few seconds of that, which I can't imagine many people can take, he turns into a normal chin lock. But that Mexican surfboard dragon sleeper looked like it hurt. I don't think Chris is that flexible or ever has been. Yeah, it's, I have. I have. It looks like a code breaker to the back. It, it, yeah. it is just <laughs> uncomfortable. I have looking. it though that I don't. I think he was trying to do the surfboard and he couldn't do it. You think Chris is too heavy? The commentary said the same thing. I yeah. I don't think he was able to actually do it properly. So he, he was just clever enough to switch it. That's fair. I think this looks way more painful than the surfboard. This like oh, it you, does. I'm like, yeah. why wouldn't you hold that on? That's definitely like somebody would submit to that. <laughs> yeah. I think that's why he lets go. So he has him in a dragon sleeper from there, and you can see. I imagine Chris's quads were about to pop like Triple H's, but he just holds the chin instead for a while for the chin lock. And I imagine Ed, uh, Chris was like, "Please stop! <laughs> please, please, please let me go." To search a lot. He's definitely in pain because Jericho releases his best like poop face. Yeah, it is, it is great. I'm gonna have to post that. I I, I, I screenshotted a few of them. Come out, baby. <laughs> Jericho eventually powers out, but Eddie beats him down again, focusing on the back and cut uh, again, cutting it down to cut a mat work. Eddie goes for the gory special. Is his uncle or is his dad invented the gory special? They say his father on commentary. I'm I pretty, thought yeah, it was I'm his sure. uncle, though, in reality. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure who actually did it. One of them invented the camel clutch, and one of them invented the gory special. And I can't remember which one is actually which. But anyway, Eddie goes for the gory special, but Chris reverses into his own gory special before planting Eddie on his face from an electric chair drop position. I kind of like Eddie powering into the electric uh, chair drop position and looking pleased with himself for being that strong, and then just Chris dropping him. I thought that was pretty great. Oh, this was fucking awesome. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of the first time like Jericho's finally getting over for his athleticism. Mm. He's breaking out a little bit from his like white meat baby bland character. Yeah. So th- this is finally, I think him breaking out and they finally put him with a good opponent here too. Eddie is also not as bland anymore. So both of them just showing their athleticism and just the crowd finally kind of wakes up a little bit at this point because yeah the the beginning of the match was pretty slow paced but now they're starting to pick it up which is awesome Eddie goes for old school but Chris sweeps the leg and gets him crotched gives the rope a good old face shake as I call it (laughs) for good measure some huge high impact moves as we near the end of the match a huge release German suplex by Jericho a spinning body slam. That release uh, German was so high angle, and Eddie just lands right on his neck. It looked incredible, yeah. It looked, looked amazing. <laughs> yeah, it looked so sweet. A double powerbomb lets, Jer- uh, lets Jericho put Eddie on the top rope. Chris tries for a superplex, but Eddie turns into it, but not very cleanly. You couldn't really tell he reversed it. With Jericho down, Eddie hits a frog splash for the clean tree count. Some real high octane action at the end, some super high impact moves on Eddie and just kind of reversing his way out of it. I thought there'd be a bit more shenanigans or a bit more cheating for him to win in the end, but it seemed like a pretty clean victory for Eddie. Yep. Yeah, I was happy it was a clean finish. Yeah, the ending wasn't the best. I don't know what that move was, but anytime I have to go like rewind and wait, wait, what happened? I'm never a fan of that in matches. This move was like kind of popular in the Attitude Era and around around now where when someone goes for a suplex, you just turn into it, so you're doing a crossbody on them. But it's really hard to tell when it's happening unless you get the timing perfect. And that's kind of what happened here. Right, I understand what they're trying to do. And like when they, when they do slow motion, it's like, oh, I can kind of get it. But when it's live, I'm like, wait, what happened? I almost kind of prefer the spot where 
Eddie can like kind of push Jericho off. Yeah, it is. But, I mean, the, we're nitpicking. I, overall, I thought this was an awesome match. I get what you mean, Connor. I, I thought I could, it was... Sorry to put in there. Yeah. It exploits the the disbelief that you're trying to yeah. buy into. Yeah. Because it's, it's making something far more unnatural that's already unnatural <laughs> with what's going on. When you break, yeah, it's like when you break down certain moves and you're like, wait, wouldn't that hurt the guy doing the move way more? Why is he doing Why does Chris Benoit keep doing a diving headbutt? That's going to hurt his head a lot. You know, it's it. And then when you have this, it's like, well, I changed my body slightly. So I feel none of the pain of hitting the mat. That doesn't make any sense. It makes you re, re- deconstruct what wrestling is, which is not great. Well, yeah, I think it stands out mostly because like the rest of the match is like so silky smooth. Like, I don't think you, Dave, you mentioned like the lion salt was probably like the best we've seen out of Jericho. There was like a leapfrog where he like sends Eddie like throat first into the ropes. Just like awesome, like vicious moves. It's kind of like a more of like a new Japan style match. Like start off slow, slowly build to the finish with these like stiff, vicious like moves. Just wasn't your typical cruiserweight match either. So it was an excellent opening match. I thought just a great evolution of where the division can go. Yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree with everything Connor just said. Really, really great way to open the pay-per-view. It got the crowd going. They were into it by the end of it. It was really nice that they actually got the time to do it. I think this is nearly 20 minutes long, if I remember right. So they had a lot of time to play with where they could like they could afford to do those kind of resting type spots on the arm holds to try and build some sort of story. And they weren't pressured to have to just pull out like a whole load of high spots like future cruiserweight matches probably do because they get like four minutes and they're like okay i better get my shit in so they they really have more ability to tell a story and these two guys are coming up i don't know if you'd say that they've they're reaching their peak soon they're probably another couple of years away yet in the grand scheme of things but they're they're definitely on the way up like you can tell like they're really really good at what they do yeah good point about the crowd as well that they kind of won the crowd over i mean the crowd pops when eddie wins and he's obviously the bad guy early in the match they were they said he sucks <laughs> so I, th- I think that's just a great show of respect that the crowd just they appreciate what a great match this was so it was that was a really cool thing to see in this especially in this type of era i mean we see signs of deport eddie around this time so the crowd <laughs> is definitely not in favor of eddie and but he was he's just so good this match that you just couldn't not cheer him here. Yeah, this is showing glimpses of how insane Eddie gets later on. It's a really good match. There's some slightly botched moments, but they're trying to pull off a lot. And you're you're right, by the way, uh, Gus, that this clock's in at about 17 minutes, and the only match longer is the War Games match, which, of course, there has to be, like, five minutes followed by two minutes followed by two minutes, you know. It's forced to be that long. So they're actually given a bit of trust and time, and you're starting to see the two wrestlers that, both become future, you know, world champions in, in different companies. So, yeah, really enjoyed this. And finally, we were saying for a while, Eddie really hasn't had a great match on the pay-per-view, but this is this is a pretty great match. Before our next match, our, our favorite segment of the night, uh, with our least favorite wrestler, we get the internet nerd talking to Jeff Jarrett. So he's asking Jeff about his uh, his match with uh, Hennig. Who cares? In the next pay per view. Who cares? Who cares? But Jeff tells him, hurry up the question, please. But the guy had an- had already asked a full question. <laughs> so it's really <laughs> awkward. Where the guy asks a full question and Jarrett goes, hurry up the question. And the guy just is done talking. So then Jarrett has to answer the question after making that comment. Most importantly, he doesn't he doesn't yell at the nerd either. It's it yeah. just kind of just yeah. no energy. He he still does his aha, aha. JJ's just a dork. 
He just is a shit version of the internet ad. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he can't even get this right. It's awful. No, no, no. And then he goes to ask the second question. I'm like, oh my god, he's not getting more time. But then Harlem Heat's music <laughs> cuts him off. To everyone's thank <laughs> god. To, to everyone's delight. For the second match of the night, we get Tanay replaced by Zabisco. They're confused. They say Tanay is going to be back later, but then Tanay is like, "Am I?" Question mark. I'm genuinely, <laughs> genuinely confused of when he's going to be back. So oh. very organized by WCW. This, I think, is Sabisco's first pay per view in the cast. I think he he was on the Nitro, as I said before. I'm actually okay with him in this pay per view in general, but we'll we'll see a little bit. He is uh, involved at this point. He has a, a bit of a juicy storyline where he's one of the only staff members standing up to the NWO. Both teams come out with their new managers, respectively Jacqueline and Ted DiBiase. We've, of course, seen this. Oh, I forgot to introduce what match it was. Very sorry. Don't worry. I think they can tell. (laughs) Yes, second match of the night. We get the Steiner Brothers versus Harlem Heat. We've seen this matchup. This might be the fourth time on the cast. Uh, It seems like nine times. It's three. I I went and checked. Well, there's, uh, there's also like a triple threat tag there, right? Yeah, I only ca- I counted anything where they were both in it, and it's like three. <laughs> so. I'm sure they've had more Nitro matches that I'm oh, just like... Oh, absolutely. I can yeah. only imagine how often you've had to watch them. These guys are eternal rivals, so it didn't take much to spark up a small rivalry again. Harlem Heat thinks they deserve to be the number one contenders, that they don't have to go up north or to Japan to prove themselves like the Steiners, and that the Steiners have screwed up too much, and they deserve the next shot. I'm not sure if this is officially for a number one contendership, but it is Harlem Heat basically more better than you. That's WCW for you. Nobody knows, like, is this yeah. for the number we, one? <laughs> we don't have any other better ideas, so sure, go nuts. Uh, <laughs> so this match has starts off at least a little different to the rest of theirs. It's no, a bit more. No, sub- it really doesn't, Dave. It really doesn't. <laughs> well, no, Dave is slightly right because I think Harlem Heat, they're like, Hey guys, we're faces too. Like even Booker does his like uh to the crowd, and the crowd's just like, no, <laughs> we like the Steiners. <laughs> right after that, Booker's like, all right, shit, let's uh, be heels for the rest of the match. I I I I really think they were thinking like, all right, let's try and be like faces versus faces, and they they switch it up. Yeah, I think they I think they do, and then eventually Booker see Booker and Ray. They always pick on like one guy in the audience. They both shout at the same guy <laughs> a couple different times. But what I mean by a bit different is usually we get just head of steam Steiners, and this time we get like Harlem Heat being a bit more calculated. And when they take their first big suplex, they bell to the outside and they regroup with their new manager, Jacqueline, barking orders that make not a lot of sense. Booker gets belly to belly to them, press slammed. Ray tries to stop the momentum, but Rick shuts him down, leading to the barking and the I call it dogging around. It's, I don't know what else to God, call it. Rick don't does. say dogging. God, <laughs> that is not what you wanted to reference there. <laughs> I just don't know how else to phrase it. Just call it a if, spot they do every single match. Like <laughs> the dog spot. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'll call it the dog spot. 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 <laughs> spot. Not, not a liver spot. spot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's literally every match they've ever had that we've ever watched. I think they just ever. I don't think Rick never doesn't do the dog thing i wouldn't recap this because it's it's all the same the two teams just look completely checked out like there's no interest for me in this they've match certainly had this match over 100 times right i think they've it's had this to. match in in their lives at this stage including like probably stuff they've done for different companies or on the road or whatever 
over a hundred times, I imagine. The the one or two things I have like outlined that were very impressive is Booker shuts down uh Scott with this like discus spinning forearm, just kind of out of nowhere. He usually does kind of like a lariat or a clothesline. I don't know if he did this by mistake because of poor, you know, foot position or whatever. But this is like the finish of most indie guys nowadays. Just this discus <laughs> forearm. I would have bought it as a finish. Yeah, Harlem Heat even pull out what they call it the Heat Seeker on commentary. Yeah, the, like the, the I, missile drop kick while uh, while you're in the Doomsday device position. So Ray right. had uh, Rick up on his shoulders and Booker hit the drop kick. It looked impressive, except <laughs> just like the Road Warriors, Ray doesn't fall with the guy getting drop kicked. He just lets him go. So Rick smashes the back of his head off the ring. Just absolutely clubs himself on Worker the back of the safety. ring. Like, Why aren't you bumping? Why aren't you bumping with the guy? <laughs> Worker safety. That doesn't Unsafe exist. Unsafe work environment. <laughs> that doesn't exist. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> These guys were in prison. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the heat seeker is near the end of the match. So we'll just run through that. After a heat seeker, uh, it gets a two count. Booker is thrown out of the ring by Scott. And they hit a lariat German suplex, and the lariat doesn't even come close to hitting uh, hitting uh, <laughs> yeah. Ray at all. Just like glances over him, Rick doesn't follow through. Kind of confused that uh, Scott went too early with the German, and that's the finish. I, I didn't know that was actually one of the finishes. It looks it looks cool, but that's how the the Steiners get the one two three. And yeah, we're we're kind of glazing over this match because it's a good match. It's absolutely fine, but all the matches have been on the cast and there was nothing new besides those two spots we outlined. Yeah. Very blah match. It, I just feel bad for the Harlem heat just cause like since they've lost the titles, it seems like they just have never gotten a shot to do anything since then. I, I feel bad for them. Everything positive in this match is Booker. Every single last positive spot. Like I put, put out the discus forearm. He's like ridiculously athletic. Again, I only kind of knew him from his invasion era days onwards. And I knew he was always athletic, but here he's crazy athletic for his size. Yeah, I'm I just whatever. Like I got two, three minutes in. And I was like, I've seen this match so many times. Like you're saying, like it was only three, but I genuinely thought it was like half the pay-per-views we've watched. They'd been in matches against each other. I was just like, I'm just sick of this now. Can, can somebody please win the titles off the outsiders so something else can happen? Like that was more in my head. I'm like, we're just stalling again because they're in another bigger match in the main event. They probably shouldn't have the titles to begin with at this stage. So yeah, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> no, I do want that. <laughs> yeah. Well, Harlem heat, I think are like they're young and they're near their peak at the moment. Obviously Booker goes on to do bigger things, but as a tag team, they're near their peak at the moment. Steiners are certainly past their peak. And I don't think it's Harlem heat that are limiting what's happening in the matches. Yeah. Th- these guys have good chemistry in the ring, but I just think it's, it's it's what you said since, since since the Steiners have been around so long like you want to see Harlem Heat like thrive but they kind of get stuck by the Steiners like I said like everybody wants to cheer the Steiners so every time the Harlem Heat get momentum they just kind of get roadblocked here and it's just it's happening over and over again obviously like we're finally going to get away from that soon but it's just it just seems like it's we've taken so long to get there yeah when when this match when I saw this match on the card before I knew the result I'm like well obviously Harlem Heat win and then it's going to be Harlem Heat and the Outsiders right except they didn't win. Now I don't know what happens. Why, like, why are the Steiners allowed another chance at the Outsiders? I'm sick of that as well. <laughs> I'm sick of seeing that chase. Because they balled up, they balled up the, the feud in the first place. So. 
Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> it's the truth, I guess. Third match of tonight, and indeed, Mike Tanay is back out, almost like you didn't need to get rid of him in the first place. <laughs> and he introduces Ultimo Dragon, which finally the entire boot are calling Ultimo Dragon. No, yes! No Ultimate Dragon, no confusing the names. Mostly just Dragon. But. It, it was hilarious. Uh, Tanay, he came up with this whole like video package, like, listen, I'm going to explain this one more time so we can finally <laughs> call him Ultimo Dragon. No more arguing there. Alex Wright, uh, podcast favorite, Alex Wright, is out second, and he's added a couple new uh, flourishes to uh, his uh, dance routine. He is also surprisingly TV champ, and it's been a it's been a while since TV champ has actually been on the pay per view uh, on the podcast on a pay per view. I think the last was like Regal, Regal versus Dragon, maybe. Was that for television? Yeah, that was for television championship. It's been yeah. A bit. So that that was a problem. Regal's is still having his like uh, his flight issues. Sure. So he's finally getting past that. Dragon like won it, won it from him like randomly in Nitro, and then Clash with the Champions. Yeah, Alex won it from that, which was actually a decent match. So I'm surprised to see what came after that. TV Champions, it's back, and it's it definitely gets featured a lot more as we as we go in the podcast. Yeah, there's also this like weird story where Alex Wright wants to like join up with Jarrett and Deborah, and he couldn't. So weird. He couldn't join until he won a belt, so he just won another belt. And but he's still not part of it. And now Eddie is like Eddie was involved in the angle, but is now completely removed from the angle. It's not really an angle. It's more of just like, hey, we're all feuding against the same people. Want to hang out? Want to hang out? And that, that's it's kind of like what it was. It, it's been enjoyable just because like some of these guys are just charismatic and they're better than Jared. So it's like, yeah, sure, I'll I'll entertain Eddie or an Alex Wright instead of Jared. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. The match starts with Alex overpowering Dragon for a lot of it, showing you know. He is indeed the bigger guy. This, of course, gets broken when uh, Alex gets cocky and does a dance. And he eats a big, uh, big drop kick for his troubles, which the crowd love. I love how much the crowd love Dragon's kicks, just because they look like they hurt a lot. Dragon comes out on top in the wrestling exchanges and builds ahead of steam with strikes. He does a pretty bad botch, though. He goes for a spinning heel kick while Alex is hung up on the ropes to knock him to the outside, but just misses completely, just whiffs. He gets back up and then botches like a super kick, which Alex has to sell and like bail himself through the middle ropes a bit, uh, a bit unsightly. I don't know what was up with these two for this match. They were just off all night. Yeah, I was going to get into a bit more from Alex after this, but an opening exchange to look promising. Then all of a sudden, a lot of uh, a, a big lack of energy from both men, I think. I'm going to be honest. I was starting to get into like his his entrance, his team music and the kind of character he has, like the little character beats he has going forward, but he's so limited as a wrestler. And this was the absolute worst thing they could have done to him is make him go out and have a 15 minute match on a pay-per-view and force him to go through it. He doesn't know enough moves. It obviously isn't conditioned well enough because he gets wrecked during this match. And you can tell and he spends large periods doing rest holds and really boring looking things because he's just lost. And I don't know, maybe there's like a communication problem between the two of them. I don't know how good Ultimo's English is maybe. Mm-hmm. And that's that's a barrier that they had to fight through as well. But Ultimo just doesn't seem to be able to drag him along to anything. Because you would expect that he would be the guy with more experience that he should be in control of this match and dictating what goes on. Yeah, all those points are valid. I, I wonder if it's just a chemistry issue, yeah. just the styles of wrestling as well. 
Alex can't play off a of dragon's character because dragon doesn't really have a character. His character is I can do awesome kicks and awesome moves. So have this technical match with me and Alex, right? That's not his strength. Yeah, he's just kind of an over good performer at the moment. He got over by not being a heel anymore and people know he has good matches. So when he doesn't have good matches, there's nothing really to fall back on. And I, I completely agree with Gus. I don't know if it's because he's not conditioned or he's tired at the moment. I don't maybe he had a long working week. But Alex is gassed super quick into this match. My next couple notes for the match is Alex keeps grinding the match to a halt, but not in a fun way like Eddie did in our first opener. Just chin locks and not even a lot of effort put into chin locks. He's not like being creative with them. He's not doing any kind of contortion-esque kind of stuff like Eddie was doing or making stuff look like it hurts. It's just bam in a chin lock. Oh, it's, it's even worse. Like, Dragon does the tiger suplex. Yeah. Alex doesn't even really bother to kick out. You just kind of like, I'm just going to roll over. Yeah, <laughs> that's, what, that's why I think it might be a bit more than just bad wrestling. I'm not saying he is. He is certainly a limited performer. I know he gets better in the future, but he is limited. He just seems like he doesn't want to be there. Like, he's half asleep. So I wonder if he, like, was in Germany or, like, was he in Europe or something yesterday or the, the day before the recording? Because it certainly looks like he is. So once we can get out of the, the rest holds of doom, an attempt at a top rope move by Wright meets a big boop from Dragon. This leads to Dragon getting into the match a bit more with an Asai moonsault and a standing Rana, followed up by a very nice drop kick. When Dragon goes to the top, though, uh, Wright is able to drop kick Dragon to the outside and hit a slingshot crossbody, some of the nicer kind of spots by the two men in this match. Frankenstein away Dragon, but he tries for a Dragon Sleeper, Alex squirms out of it, gets to the ropes. Dragon goes for another sleeper, but Alex has it scouted. He hits a jawbreaker, and then he hits a German with a bridge for a win. Still a bit of a weak finish in a, a roster full of people who love doing German suplexes. Yeah, that's that's his finish. So, so, oh, well, that's how he ended his Clash of the Champions match. That's how he got the belt. Yeah, that match at the Clash of the Champions, it, it was just complete opposite type of match. It was like fast paced. They were nice and smooth. So I, I'm not sure what happened here. It's too long. It's definitely too long. Th- that's part of the problem. Sometimes some guys are just, they're not used to having pay-per-view matches and it really shows here. I wish Dragon could have the title back because Alex Wright is obviously not the guy to carry it, but they have to try some new things and oh well, this is kind of what they get. We never know. One of my big complaints from this pay-per-view, even though this match wasn't too bad, it was just boring with all these rest holds. I, I don't think it was like absolutely awful is that they have this mid-card that they like, and they're just slingshotting titles. The Cruiserweight and the TV title are just going from person to person to person, and we don't really care about who the champion is. We just care about having these good matches. And that's poor. it's bad that we don't care who the champion is. We should care. We, we care that Hogan's the world champion. We care that the Outsiders are the tag team champions, even though they're probably not treating those belts with enough respect. They put this on too many different people. And I was going to say this for the last match, Jericho having the match, uh, having the belt of Clash of Champions, but immediately losing it to Eddie. What he, he had, I think it was a one month reign, was what they said. And this isn't close to as bad as it gets to in three or four years. But it is <laughs> the start of them just trying to pop people by changing small titles. Yeah, I, it might just be a product of its time. But also, what's happening right now, and I'll get into it a little bit later, is the mid card is going to be changing. Uh, roster-wise, drastically around this point. So I'll, I will bring that up later of who is coming, who is going. Yeah, I, I will say maybe the one excuse is a lot of these people you don't know if they're going to be here next week, right? Like, mm-hmm. Are they available for the next pay-per-view? No idea. They might have Japanese commitments. 
It's funny you say that. That's going to come up <laughs> on the next pay per view. <laughs> Foreshadowing. <laughs> anything, anything else to be said about this match, gentlemen? No. No, it was a very blah match. I, I yeah, was it's very, disappointing. very disappointed with Dragon. Yeah. Yeah. But the best part of the match is now they're calling them Ultimal Dragon. So happy. Yeah. Probably Ultimal's worst match in the company so far. Yeah. Or worst match we've seen. We don't. We don't. I don't watch all the nitros. Maybe not the worst match Connor's no, seen. Most most of his nitro matches are great. So yeah, this is just like the one stinker. We get Gene backstage shilling us the uh, hotline, but telling us this time there's a seating Arn Anderson getting ready to be interviewed. If we call, and you know what, I would have called. I want to hear a mad Arn Arn Anderson rant about how he got disrespected as he's cutting this uh, promo. The NWO walk past, Buff Bagwell, Conan, Six, Nash, all walk past, and he gets interrupted. He calls them the rudest people. Then he gets interrupted with them walking past again five seconds later, let's say five, ten seconds later, and they're laughing. He gets suspicious, so he checks the room, which they walked out of, and there's a beat-up Kurt Hennig on the ground. That beatdown took five seconds... I think, and there was no sound to it. I think you're exaggerating a little bit there, but but it was very fast. Yeah, <laughs> the fastest beatdown I've ever seen in my there life. Was like four of them, and no sound. Four of them. Yeah, uh, four of know. them. We should have known something was up. <laughs> Kurt, Kurt Hennig is just so tough that it takes four people to take him down in, in a minor way. Also, the dressing room they walk into perfect condition. <laughs> Nothing but Kurt Hennig <laughs> is knocked down. I'm like, oh, come on, guys. Put a little effort. It doesn't even look like a dressing room, to be fair. It looks like some random canteen they have. Yeah, I thought, yeah. I, saw, I, thought I saw a Coke machine or something. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Match number four of the night, Double J versus D-Malenko. And this is more momentous than the superpowers erupting. The Omega this powers. is the biggest, the, the mega powers. <laughs> the mega powers erupting. This is the biggest tag team. And it's split. exploding. Mega powers, you have to you have to start over. It's the mega powers exploding. Explode. I, can't, I can't I can't steal their uh, I can't steal WWE's stuff. They they might serve me with a cease and desist. <laughs> I think if they actually did that, we've made it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have bigger things to worry about. Yeah. At that yeah. Yeah. I'm fine Sweet. with that. If you want, if you don't want anywhere near that, near Jeff Jarrett, so I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, this is a this is a match I do not care about. <laughs> they they have not really built this unlikely tag team duo as people I've cared about. But apparently, this is for the number one contendership of the U.S. title. Yeah, at least there's stakes mm. for this match. It makes sense as well. Winner will get to face Mongo, and there's a bit of a rivalry between these two and Mongo. So at least there's progression in the storyline. As much as I'm poking fun at it, yeah, it was great seeing Mongo beat Jared for the title. Oh, <laughs> Jared is, of course, com- accompanied by the lovely Deborah. But then when they come to the ring, Jared sends her to the back so he isn't distracted. Tells her to watch from the monitors. I'm pointing at my head right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to point at the head. head. Yeah, <laughs> got to point at the head. Why, why come out with her then? Why not just leave her in the back? <laughs> it makes me so mad. Not like she does much anyways. No, not, not at all. This is a very typical Dima Lanko match, and there's not many really high spots for us to point out here. A lot of good chain wrestling, and they're kind of play up the story that both men were in a tag team, so know each other's moves. Yeah, that storied tag team that they were in. <laughs> <laughs> they wrestled, like, what, two, three matches? Yeah, they, they, I think they had three matches. <laughs> one of them basically is on... One of them, he basically bailed on his on his partner, so he kept beating up two on one. <laughs> yeah. So points to head. I, points I appreciate to... the story they're trying to tell in the ring, 
but it doesn't make any sense. They wouldn't know each other that well after two matches. Both men, like, go for each other's legs. Later on in the match, Deborah comes back out to check on Jared after Dean clotheslines them both to the outside. She then does nothing for the match, so I have no idea why she went out and came back. I don't think she ever interferes, right? Nope. I thought she was obviously going to come back, and at one stage the commentary go, oh, she gave Jared a weapon. I'm like, oh, that's why she came back. She didn't. Commentary just missed Saw. So maybe she was supposed to give Jared a weapon, and they missed a spot or something. I don't understand why. I don't know why she came back out. But this ends with Jared chop-blocking Dean's knees out after targeting the knees for a while and locking on to figure four for the win. It hurt my soul to say Tony Tony said Jared has become the master of the figure four. Oh, Please yeah, stop. Please cringe. stop with that. At least he won with the figure four. I think that's the first time the figure four has won a match we've covered. So, <laughs> well, no. Okay, the one against Eddie, that's, that's it. That's true. I was never a big fan of the figure four, but I'm completely worn out. Obviously, this is one maybe one of the earlier times it happened, or maybe even the first time. But the amount of times Rick mentors, quote unquote, mentors a person, and all they do is strut, and now they're finishes to figure four. They become no better at wrestling. They adapt none of his other moves except to strut, and the figure four. The Miz is like renowned for it because the Miz can't lock in a figure four. If you're gonna stay on top, you can't give away your secrets, man. <laughs> so. Yeah. Why is he venturing all these people then? Because <laughs> that way he can learn everything from them, you see. He's the smartest guy. <laughs> that makes sense. Points, points uh-huh. to the head. Points to the head. <laughs> uh, yeah, so this is a very throwaway. I don't know. I, like, I do know why this isn't a pay-per-view. It is storyline progression, but the match quality itself did not seem pay-per-view worthy. Yeah, at least it was probably the best Jarrett match that we've covered. I mean, that's not saying much because... Unfortunately, I think Jarrett's just he's kind of gotten like a bad rap. Like I think he's gotten some bad matchups. I think some just some poor chemistry of like who he's been booked with. And at least like Dean, he's gonna have a good match with most people. So eh, it was a serviceable match. It was fine. I was just really bored. I just really don't like Jarrett. Yeah. And I'm really the more I watch Dean, the more I just don't actually really like him anymore. I don't know. I'm just gone off him. I still like him, but certainly. He's phoning it in for some of these matches, especially when he doesn't have a proper storyline. You can see he doesn't put much effort in, or at least doesn't try and innovate. I think all his matches have effort in chain wrestling. He's missing a lot of character. He, he just does the same kind of stuff over and over. Okay. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up. We we, we talked to the comparison to Landstorm, which was a travesty. I, I, as I watched more ECW, I was like, wow, Landstorm has way more character than this guy. I think a more apt comparison would be Steve Blackman. Blackman has way more character than him, I think, as well. Really? Okay. All right. I think so. Yeah. Particularly his uh, Al Snow period. Oh, the head <laughs> cheese. Yeah. But I do get what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think everyone in the, I think the big problem there is neither of them have character, but one of them was forced into a situation where they had character. Like they were Attitude Era. They were a mid card guy that was over in the Attitude Era. So Russo or whoever was writing at the time went, well, you need to have a storyline. Dean's storyline has been. Yeah, he dislikes them for the last since we since we've started the podcast. He's not been given any story treads, and when you're as bare bones character as Dean, you need some story to hold you up. And that is partly his fault for not developing more. But I think the Bookers don't have anything to do for him. He's kind of lost in the NWO shuffle. Yeah, the Jericho feud can't come soon enough. Well, guys, I want to bring up the morale a little bit. This is officially the last Jarrett match of the podcast. <laughs> Victory lap. <laughs> Woo! It feels so nice. 
is this before or after his good house cleaning matches? I never remember which era of WWE he goes to. I think his good house cleaning matches after this, right? The house cleaning as in with China? Yeah, that's what they call the hardcore match they have. Oh, yeah, that's like 90. Yeah, it's 99. Um, Yeah, I thought so. Yeah, Yeah, he leaves WCW in like about a month. His contract was just up. Gus was telling me that he held the company for money. I don't... I think I think he tried to get more money. Sure, say, yeah, sure. But yeah, he's in WWF by the end of the year, so he actually goes pretty quick. He was always a funny business guy because I wrestlers get way underpaid the majority of the time, one hundred percent. And like a lot of this era of wrestling is about as much as there's criticisms of Nash and Hall's work rate once they get the money, them actually getting contracts and like changing the business game, business and wrestling forever. But Jared. There's something unsavory about how he's always angling for an extra payday. <laughs> That's bad to say. He should. He's a worker. He puts the work in. But it's because he's not. He's not. He's not worth no, yeah, one. <laughs> I don't want to be that harsh, but yeah, yeah, he's like asking for money that such over people get. The reason he gets hired again and again is mostly because of his dad, and <laughs> that kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth. I mean, this is a man who is a multiple-time world champion. When all is said and done as well. Oh, it's just so hard to think about. L- looking at this run, going back, looking at it back in hindsight, awful run. This Terrible. is probably one of the better decisions WCW has made. They obviously have nothing for him. Move move on. God, I got to ask them, why did they make him the number one contender? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know, because we have to see the Mongo Jarrett <laughs> match for another time. I can't, I, another time. I'm dreading watching that match. At least it's just a throwaway Nitro, but oh, man. As a booker, or as someone that hires people for wrestling, how can you see one of these Jarrett matches and go, yep, he's what we want. That's <laughs> that's the kind of quality we want holding up our company. That kind of 1980s character work, that kind of unoriginal, stiff kind of wrestling, that's what's going to propel our, our product into the future. I'm ragging so bad on the guy, and he certainly gets, I think his second WCW run is way better. Or when he, especially when he changes character, I think he gets way better. But I just don't know. This is, I'm pretty happy to see the end of him. Especially, I was a TNA fan for a long time. And just watching him have infinite world titles for the longest runs while you have the likes of, you know, Styles and Joe and Daniels <laughs> on the card. And you're like, haha, Jared's got the title again. <laughs> Everyone wants to see Double J wrestle Sting again. Moving on, <laughs> we get the NWO. NWO segment, taunting Hennig, Nash's fake crying, but it's kind of hard to make sure exactly what they're saying. They're all kind of talking over each other, especially Buff doesn't seem to be getting his cues very well and just talking over the rest of them. In general, the gist is four horsemen suck and crying isn't cool. Let's not forget this is, these are four respectable wrestlers uh, in a promo. Yeah, four, four very... All four of them. Except Buff. I said Buff wasn't. Three respectable wrestlers. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, guys yeah. can't come up with anything original for the pay-per-view. They, they they basically just repeat their Nitro promo. Yeah, I thought it would be... And, like, I, I've ragged on Hogan for these rambling kind of segments, but at least he lets other people in. After he rambles, he's like, well, brother, and someone else steps up and does their part of the promo. Buff just doesn't know when to talk or when to finish points. Nash gives them the cue to finish the interview three times. They're like the two sweet thing at the end. They all do together. <laughs> he tries to set that up three times. Twice, Buff talks over him to get his stuff in. And once Conan just starts speaking Spanish over it, and all of them stare at him like he's speaking in tongues. That is not English. 
it's a real problem with these NWO promos. I, I've seen people speak high regards of these NWO promos. Oh, so innovative. They do all these jump cuts and it's so quick sound bites and stuff like that. Not these ones. <laughs> they, yeah, they have like one or two good ones and then they have like 20 bad ones. And this is definitely one of the worst ones. Well, yeah, I think a lot of why it was applauded was because let's look at the difference between this and like a Hogan, like a solo Hogan promo. And it's that really old school, let me tell you, brother but like not all interviews have to be like that the one thing i want to point out about the arn segment from the start of the uh, start of the show we talked about on nitro arn is like way ahead of his time in he tells a coherent story in his promo and he isn't just going well let me tell you about the pythons brother or like just shouting down the camera he's very like almost austin-esque even sounds a lot like austin where he's like this is what i think this is what i am this is what's happened it's a coherent story and while these interviews with the NWO are different, so people like them, they're certainly not coherent, and they certainly don't lead to anything besides too sweet shout at the camera. I, I just love a lot of the times too. They when they get lost, they're like, "All right, let's just say our catchphrases. That'll save everything." <laughs> yeah, everyone will remember the catchphrase and be fine. I did find it really funny that when Conan talked, everyone looked at him like, "Oh, I forgot Conan was here." <laughs> <laughs> He's NWO now, I guess. Mr. Respectable. Mr. Respectable. <laughs> Into match number five of the night. And we got some podcast favorite. Ooh, baby. In, uh, yeah. <laughs> Mortis and Glacier. Uh, not Glacier. Mortis and uh, Rat. Rat. Mortis and Rat. <laughs> which they haven't named as a tag team. So I'm going to dub the Spooky Boys. So we have the Spooky Boys <laughs> with Vandenberg out first. And I have no idea why they haven't named that stable. Just someone you put a lot of money into with their costumes and their gimmicks. But sure. And we have Faces of Fear and some shiny new red gear with, thank God, no Jimmy Hart out. Because <laughs> why would Jimmy Hart still be To be manager? honest, I'm kind of surprised they're not called Mortal Kombat with a C. Like, just to be really on the nose. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Terrible piece of commentary. Tony mentions no, you know, no Jimmy Hart being there. And he says... What's going on? Is there a story there? I'm like, come on, Tony. Why don't you tell us it's your fucking job? <laughs> Is there a story there? Well, maybe you should. Maybe. Look into it. I don't know. Uh, Larry and Bobby cover it up nicely. They're like, well, it's hard to communicate with the faces. It's like, oh, okay. Good job. Good job. Good job. So while you say it's hard to communicate with the faces, there's something I want to go over real quick here. Bit, bit of a more serious topic, but it's how <laughs> Islanders were portrayed for like a long time in wrestling. And they get really ham-fisted here because a lot of the other pay-per-views, they portray like the faces as being barbaric and you don't want to be near them and they rather like fight you than do anything else. But in this, they just multiple times, they refer to them as just animals. Like brain is like, just give them some food and leave them in a corner or it they don't. So speak. annoying. It's, <laughs> it's really it, awful. It, it's really racist. <laughs> it goes a bit too far. I know. I know it's a gimmick in wrestling, but you can't just say every Samoan can't speak English and is a bar. And none of them ever wear foot gear. And it's, you know, I'd like to say this ends soon, but this is just how Samoan wrestlers up until maybe the rock were portrayed. You know what I mean? It's just, it's not okay, and they do it really ham-fistedly in this match, even though it's a little Can bit... Can I tell thickened. you why it's done like that, though? Why? Because it makes lots of money. Yeah, that is not uh, untrue. It did, those gimmicks did make a lot of money in the past. But I just, they go... I, I've, I haven't mentioned it before because uh, it's just a gimmick, right? And it, it, is way, it is way more pronounced for this match. Yeah, yeah, yeah they... 
one or two remarks is fine. Continuous remarks about them not not being humans is uh, is not great. It, it makes it more embarrassing too because the following weeks on, on Nitro or the past weeks on, on Nitro, they're being built up as like faces of these killers. Like it's been like a blood feud between these like these two tag teams. It's been really fun. The crowd's been really into the faces for some reason, and this just just really kills it. Yeah, I was. I'm really looking forward. To, was really looking forward to this. Probably more than any other match on the card, just because we discovered kind of all three of us together that these teams were kind of underrated and had pretty decent matches. I also want to ask because I haven't watched the Nitros, but you answered that the faces of fear are kind of the faces in this match, I guess. And that's probably why they don't have Jimmy Hart out with them, just so one of them looks yeah. more face like. That, that's that's logic, and I, I, I guess like it's just impossible to make Mortis and Wrath faces, I guess, because they're just too weird looking i don't i don't know they just beat glacier i guess you can't just go from beating glacier to being a face and they have the manager so yeah like one team has to have a manager that's who the heels are the other team yeah no 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 take the manager away yeah what would have been nice if they had done some kind of story where like jimmy hart gets taken out or something by mortis and rat or I, but just yeah, leaving but- him off the card is also fine as long as i don't need to deal with jimmy hart yeah i'm fine with like just the the these are two power move teams just beating the hell out of each other like yeah, bothering each other <laughs> yeah i'm fine with minimal storyline for for this team yeah my, my opening notes for this match are it's a complete hoss off neither team gaining a huge upper hand just battering each other for the first part faces of fear put their first stamp on a match with a, the backdrop power bomb it is botched and they almost drop i think it's mortis but Barbarian's yeah. too strong to let that happen, and he just deadlifts them up and power bombs them anyway. <laughs> Mortis kind of grabs him too. They're like, oh, help me up. Yeah. yeah. Mortis is the smallest lad in this match, so he takes all of the spots. He does. <laughs> Meng does some of my favorite selling of all time. I love selling like this. It's so <laughs> cheesy, but none. <laughs> also, yes. But one of the only bits of selling he does is he gets given a few jabs by Mortis. And he swings back into air like he's, like, dazed. Like, he still thinks Mortis is there. It's up there with kicking up ages after three. That's my favorite bit of wrestling selling. When you pin someone and then you get up and celebrate and you see them kicking up in the background. That, that is my favorite part of selling. Meng just comes across to me as the guy who waits for their opponent to stop mashing their buttons so he can hit them back. He's just like, <laughs> yeah, that's lovely what you're doing, but, like whatever and usually follow with that to to really sink it in what i love about his noises is that he does them when he's on the ground so he doesn't stop just because he's bumped no it's that's his breathing i think like that's meant to be him in between (laughs) because his breathing is oh sure 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 when he's getting hit like he's just like it's so good so after these uh, these punches that were sold by Meng, he stops selling anything else. He no-sells a bunch of clothesline and then just chops Mortis down every time he kips up. So about three times in a row, Mortis kips up and just gets chopped into oblivion right back down on the mat. Yeah, never piss off Meng. Jeez. Yeah, never. That's still, still people today tell Meng stories that would terrify any normal human being. Vandenberg gets involved, crouching Barbarian on the top rope. Men gets mad and chases after him, but this distracts the ref and lets the spooky boys hit a powerbomb neckbreaker combo on uh, Barbarian. And I like the big guy double team moves so far in this match. Some cool moves by the spooky boys on Barbarian, the, the part of the Faces of Fear willing to take bumps as they I- isolate him. 
a Vader bomb by Rat, which he turns into like an elbow drop, and a top rope Famaster by Mortis. What yes. was the Famaster called before the Famaster? It's a rock rock dropper. A rock Ooh, dropper. Okay. It was it was Marty Jannetty's finisher, if I'm remembering correctly. Oh, I didn't know that actually. I didn't know Marty Jannetty had a finisher. <laughs> there you go. Or one matches. <laughs> but there we go. Hey, Marty Jannetty's an intercontinental champion, man. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. <laughs> On the outside, Mortis uh, also slams Barbarian's head into his steel steps and flips them on the Barbarian, which I thought was a cool... I like those kind of gruesome-looking spots, which obviously didn't hurt at all. Like, the stairs definitely just didn't hit him. It was just a good camera angle for it. A super-duperplex by the Spooky Boys on Barbarian. This is the superplex, but Mortis was on top of Rat's so- uh, shoulders. Yeah, and I think awesome. I've only ever seen this done by Edge and Christian before. It was awesome, anyway. Yeah, yeah, but much more effective when one of the contestants is like 6'8 or something like that. <laughs> they do sell this move like it's hurt everyone in the ring, so I have no idea why the Spooky Boys would do it. But Mortis sells it like he's been uh, he's been uh, on the receiving end of the move. And this lets uh, Barbarian get the hot tag to Meng. Cleans house, snap power slams for two counts. He gets a top rope splash, which is broken up for another two count. Vandenberg tries to hit Meng with a skeleton stick, is what I'm going to call it. The classic <laughs> skeleton stick. But Meng locks in the death grip, and I thought this looked great. Holds Vandenberg up by his throat and drapes him like over the top rope so only Vandenberg's like, feet are touching the top rope. And I thought that man made Meng look like a badass. Mortis tries to break this up with like a super kick, I think. Pretty mm-hmm. sure it was a super kick. Yep. And he just no-styles it and grabs Mortis in the death grip as well. Rat manages to sneak up behind Mango when he has the double deck grip on and hits the rock bottom or the death penalty for the tree count. Thoughts on this match, gentlemen? Oh, great match. <laughs> the crowd, the crowd kind of killed most of it. They were pretty quiet. Yeah, it's such a shame. Beginning. Obviously, some of the some of the big high spots got them really into it. The awesome double team moves really made the match for me. And yeah, Megan Barbarian actually worked well as a face team. It's incredibly sloppy and messy, but I loved it. I love just lads battering each other and they just kind of went for it after a certain amount of time. They're just like, look, we'll just do whatever we want. Yeah, I, I really like this. I, I don't think it's like a special match, but these these two teams are a lot better than I ever gave them credit for. I'm, I want to see a lot more of them. To be honest, I'd love to see the Faces of Fear with tag team titles for a bit. I think there are some of the better workers on the card at the moment, even though men could probably sell a little bit more. <laughs> maybe a little bit more yeah we always harp on about this but at least like the the old veterans they're giving the new guys the rub here they're giving them a victory so that was that was nice at least yeah i think probably the right team won like we complained about mortis and rat being built up and then just not winning matches clean and this is like semi-clean vandenberg gets involved but doesn't actually hit anyone or do something weird He's just there to take the deck grip and you give Rat the bigger guy the victory and I think it looks good. He gets a clean, he only has to hit one of his finishes. No complaints about the actual result. Back here in the locker room area, total silence, a very somber mood, if you will. Four horsemen are supposed to be here, of course, joining us, the Nature Boy, Ric Flair, Steve Mongo, McMichael, and of course, the Crippler, Chris Benoit. No, Kurt Hennig. I don't know the status, gentlemen of his situation right now. I don't know if he's going to be able to continue on, but right now it does not look good, Chris. Gene, it is truly going to be an honor to give the NWO a taste of reality. Conan, we all know you're the biggest wannabe happening. Six, but a number. Bagwell, well, we all know what the buff is about. 
And Nash, Nash, well, you've been so many different characters, we're not quite sure what you're about, but after tonight, you're gonna know what the horsemen are about. Steve McMichael, I've gotta ask you, is it gonna be the four horsemen tonight or not? Listen, boys, you're in a cage now. You can run, but you can't hide. You run around playing those little games all you want, brother, but listen up, you idiots. Do you understand what Armageddon is? The four horsemen are bringing down the apocalypse on you tonight. All right, Ric Flair, you've been here before. Many say the darkest time is just before dawn. That may be the case tonight here for War Games. Gino Glenn, if this, if I ever thought about quitting when my back was against the wall, I would not be here tonight. Henning is down. That's the price you pay for being a horseman. But somehow, I know if they can put Henning together, he'll walk that aisle. Woo, and he'll stand tall. In the meantime, Nash, and I'm talking to you, big man, right next to me, five times all pro, and in his leisure time, Where's a Super Bowl ring? Also next to me. They call him the Crippler, pound for pound. The best wrestler alive today. And as you so fondly want to talk about in this tired old body, is more heart, more desire, more soul, and more reality than the NWO will ever know. Woo! And in Winston-Salem, whether it's three, four, two, one, we will bleed, we will sweat, and you will pay the price for life. Woo! All right, I think Gene is with the three horsemen. That's right, not four. Hennig is missing, and we're worried. Commentary are building up, not knowing about his condition or whether he can compete tonight. Benoit cuts up. Awful promo. Bad Benoit. No. <laughs> so bad. And you know how you know it's bad? Because Mongo quits a promo a couple seconds after. And while it's not good, it's somehow better than Benoit's, which made no sense from start to finish. Absolute rubbish. He went to insult them. He like tried to insult the NWO, but just end up calling out characteristics about them. He was just like, yeah, buff. He's the stuff. <laughs> what? <laughs> Got him. What, what are you talking about, Chris? Shut up. Yeah, that's... Uh... That's, that's the unfortunate thing when you have like Mago and Benoit like, yeah, I can stand up with Flair and Arn, right? No, you just look <laughs> even worse. <laughs> At least Mongo's is like bad, but it has it has a point. You get what Mongo's trying to say. Benoit just insults people by not saying anything insulting about them. So he's trying to do the Flair thing where instead of tearing someone down, he builds them up by going, you know, they're big, they're scary. They're... But he doesn't even do that. He just says like neutral things about them. Six, he goes, you're just a number. What? No, he's not. <laughs> it's just his name. It's so inane. But at least Rick pulls it with like another passionate, well-built-up promo telling us how good the men he's standing next to are and how their accomplishments and saying they're coming for the NWO. He does the, in general, Rick thing where he doesn't tear down the NWO. He has them as a legitimate threat, but he's saying they're going to come out on top. He's saying Hennig, he knows what kind of man Hennig is. He's a horseman. And even if uh, he has to crawl out to the ring, he'll be there to fight along, alongside them if he can be. 
Yeah, all in all, uh, good promo. Like, again, like we the yeah. compared to Road Wild, they had like zero promos. You know, just having the two like main event teams cut the promos. Like, I think this is this isn't hard, guys. Like, this is how most of your pay per views should have. The big stars should do you know one or two promos, and you're done. That that's how you build up your stars and give them some practice. So when when they do it like for their first time on this show. They're not fucking deer headlights like Benoit and Conan. That, that is the thing. So like any other occupation in the world, you don't <laughs> learn on the job like this. They know Chris can't talk, but they keep making him talk in hopes he'll get better. Surely just have him cut some promos somewhere else in the back, record him doing them or something. Make him pass something before you send him out on a show people paid for to do this. There's been other bad ones, and certainly Conan and stuff have been bad, but I've never seen them be bad, but also have no coherent structure or meaning at all. Match number six. We get the Giant versus Scott Norton, another hoss-off if we've ever seen one. Giant still coming out with zero music. Who thought this was a good gimmick choice? I'm not sure. Do you guys like the no music Giant? Hate it. I don't think it even is a gimmick. They're just like, eh, we're lazy. This is why he sings his own uh, theme song for WWE. He just sang it himself. He handed it in. He's like, oh, like the other guys said they didn't have a, just use this. I don't want to be left without music again. This is a brawl from the start. Norton tries to stand toe to toe with the giant, but is outpowered again and again until he gets a, until he outsmarts him a little bit and starts exerting some pressure. Norton tries to wear a giant down, gets a pin, a cocky pin for two, but giant with a roar kicks out and lifts his, uh, hand like he's going to choke Sam with a bit of help from the middle rope he does a kip up choke Sam's Norton and finishes the match not not much more to it just a squash really what do you think of uh, the Giants show of athleticism Gus I'm pretty sure your recap took longer than the match to be honest (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I don't even know why this match was really on the pay-per-view I couldn't care less the kip up was insane they're just wasting them it's just (laughs) yeah even with help from the second rope, pretty impressive kip up. But I assume this is Giant sells a lot of merchandise and we just want him on the card. Yeah, Giant's actually looking a lot better. He's back in his singlet, so the weight just keeps fluctuating. And yeah, n- nice and short match. Uh, Norton, I, I, I do like Norton. He's featured on more the Nitros in the pay per view, so it's always nice to see him. He's not like amazing, but typical Haas with some uh, power moves. So I always love seeing him. And. Yeah, I thought their chemistry was actually decent. So this match was actually not that bad, but yeah, it was, it was pretty pointless. Yeah, surprised not to see him in more NWO stuff. I think Norton's actually a fine fit for the NWO as just like silent muscle that's going to make the faces look great when, you know, they beat him up. But he's kind of just happens to be NWO and doesn't really do anything. I'm, I'm probably going to go and watch some of his Japanese matches because I've heard he's actually quite good in Japan. But I don't know. This is a waste of both guys, I think. Seventh match of the night. DDP with his uh, uneasy partner, Lex Luger, or I think they've uh, reconciled now, against the kind of mismatched NWO team of Macho Man and Scott Hall. Of course, we, I don't think we've seen Scott Hall without Nash ever on the podcast. I think this is the first time. Up. Yeah. yeah. I just don't really understand why Hall isn't in the main event and you just put Buff with Savage. It just makes way more sense. I like that they're pushing like younger guys in the NWO in the main event. It is nice to see people they think are young and promising get pushed. But at the same time, why break up a tag team to do it? You could just push two of them or have the fifth one at ringside as a manager. Just 
kind of kind of weird. Right, yeah, this, they they had the whole storyline where DDP and Luger just didn't get along, and then they finally reconciled. And why why did they feel the need to include them in the pay per view? It would have made more sense that like, oh, you guys lost your chance, so you have to be on the sidelines or something like that. Could have had DDP and Luger just like in the stands, kind of watching. Like, oops, we missed our chance. We need to step it up. Not a huge fan of having this match. Same with the NWO guys. If you want them on the card, just have them at ringside. I'll get to that further in the actual War, game, war Games match, but I'm not sure why the whole NWO isn't just at ringside all the time. To, to I think we've honest. had that conversation more than once. Uh, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, I think I'd just like to point out how much uh, Scott Hall thinks of his match. He doesn't even bring out his own tag team belt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. that. Oh, God, the entrances. <laughs> why do Scott and Macho Man, they come out separately? We have to hit, We have to hear the whole NWO music. you got to get the sweet <laughs> alternate NWO music with the... Oh yeah, mixed in. Yeah, that was just restarting, stopping, and then restarting the music is super <laughs> awkward. Like the faces coming out separate, I think is always awkward enough. I think it would have been cool to see. Yeah, we're friends now. Like here's DDP's music, and halfway through it stops, and Luger comes out with me. You know that kind of thing. But that's fine. That happens. Having the actual stable come out separately to the same song is mind-numbingly stupid. Are one of those men so egotistical that they can't share Spotlight? Or was that someone else's choice? Whose choice was that? It's just so bad. All I know is pretty open for this match as well. I can't even keep my hand, uh, my uh, eyes on the action. There's just four or five very skinny white guys that have decided to go shirtless yes. on the hard cam. <laughs> yes, yes. And it's really hard to stop looking at. It's really distracting. Yeah, they are marking the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like spinning their tops around. I'm like, who's someone tell them to put it back on? No one needs to see that. You're very skinny white guys. Very white. Just put the tops back on. Yeah, with, with how much we were like, oh, what would this match is pointless? The crowd just so into it for some reason. Luke, I think Luger's over. I think maybe we're underestimating just quite how over Luger is. And I guess DDP, Luger, DDP together is just super over and maybe they should actually just be in the main event and screw this Arn Anderson angle I guess <laughs> Luger cleaning house early in this match to huge reactions from the crowd including press slamming Macho to the outside kind of on the hall but he barely touches him so Macho just splats to the outside no wonder he uh, his career didn't go on that much longer he tags in DDP, and I'm not sure why, because he's absolutely dominated the two the two NWO wrestlers. It's just weird that the commentary they say like, "Yo, he's never this focused. He's so focused for this match." Like, Come <laughs> yeah. on, guys, he just won the world title. Like, <laughs> <laughs> now he cares. All right, okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> DDP plays the uh, the kind of isolated baby face in the tag match, but there isn't too much more to this match. The NWO trap DDP in the corner. When he tries to go for the hot tag, the hall goes over to Luger and stomps him in between the two rings. The, the War Games rings are out. And he just like punches him and stomps on him a bunch till Luger falls in between the rings and stays there as if he's been shot. Like absolutely dead to a few uh to to a few stomps. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because pretty much the whole pay-per-view, they haven't utilized the double rings compared to last year. Yeah, also the, the commentators multiple times have uh, explained that it's fine. You can use both rings. They count as like one ring, essentially. DDP gets tossed in between both the rings by Hall and Savage, like he's some kind of ping pong ball for no real reason. Uh, and then the referee starts giving out to Hall, even though, as we've said, it's been iterated that it's legal 
to use both rings, and he's pointing to the main ring and telling Hall to get back in. So Hall just knocks him out. Cameron basically misses that as well. Yeah. A second referee comes down to check on the first referee, which Hall just, and then Hall just knocks him out, <laughs> which I thought was really funny. And I really wanted it to turn into a bit where eventually there was nine or ten <laughs> knocked out referees. <laughs> the entire referee roster. like <laughs> Yeah, just respawning every couple <laughs> seconds and Hall just one punching, knocking them out. Also, do you think it's, like, mandatory to have a glass jaw to be a referee? You think that's what happens? Like, oh, I can't fight. My jaw is too fragile. I better referee and get knocked out by the tiniest. Yeah, I imagine there's tiniest. an ability to fall asleep on command, like, type test. <laughs> and that was, like, the first ref bump was normal. The second guy was very much, you know, Hall really doesn't put any effort into the work punch. The guy's like, ah, oh, and he just flops <laughs> over. Like, he's Got dead. this image of people sitting there going... Do you have any history of concussions? Yes, I do. Oh, interesting. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> put, put on the shirt and count to three. Let's, yeah. hear, let's hear it. <laughs> to be fair, Scott, Scott Hall's punches are f- amazing. Scott's punches are great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Larry can't stand the abuse of referees anymore, and he leaves commentary. The crowd are going wild. Hall taunts Larry and tries to make him come into the ring. Larry's re-milking it. The commentary say that he's being careful because he knows if he ducks his head under that rope, Hall might take it clean off. Larry pushes uh, Hall into Lex, who is standing behind or kneeling behind Hall and rolls him up into a tree camp. Like you would do when you're a kid to your friends, you know, kneel over behind your, yeah, yeah, kneel over behind your friend and someone like pushes him over. Table topping. Yeah, table table topping. Larry counts to tree count like he's an official referee, and that ends the match apparently. Dumb. <laughs> Dumb is an understatement. <laughs> I think the bit with Larry is good. I think Larry like being a staff member that's standing up because they're bullying those. I think that's cool, and they call him the legendary Sabisco or whatever, and he is. He is like a very awesome, prominent career. So it's not a bad character to do it with. But yeah, him counting the pin is stupid. Yeah, that, that, that's, what I, that, that's what I meant. Like, I wish, yeah. like, Larry, like, either clocked Hall or, like, Hall beat Larry down. Because, like, there's been, obviously, animosity between Larry and the NWO, particularly Hall as as well. So, yeah, this was a yeah. lot of fun. Like, I, this match was obviously going to be nothing. So, the Larry involvement was actually the best part of the match. Them trying to portray that they were so smart just wrecked my head so much i'm like this is the dumbest thing you've ever done like point to my head again this is just as bad as what the nwo does but oh it's okay for you guys you're you're no better than what they did now and you're just like oh oh yeah isn't it so great blah blah blah. i'm like shut up tony i just don't want to hear this right now (laughs) you know like we're gonna replay this every time hogan has something to say (laughs) i don't think you will I think this is a TV product and that'll get really tedious. But two, why would he care? Yep. This is like when Austin wins the title by making McMahon count three while he's unconscious. I'm like, I don't think that counts. But like, it's even worse because you're like, Larry's not a ref. So it's it's not even that they've outsmarted yeah. him. Like, they genuinely have a legitimate gripe to be like, that shouldn't have counted. <laughs> like, the heels have more claim to bullshit than the faces do. Yeah, that, that is absolutely true. Just, just throw the match out. Say, say yeah. it's a DQ. I mean, we've done it hundreds of times already, so why not? <laughs> just I th- think this would have been so much cooler and so easy to book. So Larry pushes Hall, and Lex Luger just racks him, like racks Hall as he falls backwards. Macho runs in to save Hall, 
and like Larry punches Macho or like trips him up or something like that. And then Larry looks really cool and they have some, the NWO have a reason to be really mad at him. And Lex looks like a million bucks instead of doing a roll-up with two unconscious refs <laughs> and Larry the fast counter the ball <laughs> yeah, he fast gets as well, God. And like, you can just, you throw out the match in the face, then you get to go, ha-ha, that's what happens when you like mess with the WCW staff. We can stand up for ourselves now. Like, we have guts. And then you have something to build off instead of, yeah, we got a fake win. Got him. <laughs> Loser. You won anyway. It's a DQ. He hit two referees. <laughs> the match was already over. Yeah, so such such a throwaway match. I, I knew it going into it when, when I saw it on the card. I was like, "Well, this is gonna be nothing." And you're like, "Oh, <laughs> oh." We got a second Gene plug of the night for the hotline. He tells us Aaron isn't here, so he can answer your calls in the interview. Well, maybe it's more important than Aaron is here for his storyline. But I, I guess you gotta sell hotline. You gotta you gotta sell the hotline promo video with Macho Man plugging Halloween Havoc, you know, rip WCW every night is Halloween for Macho Man, etc., etc. Decent little build-up video for one of my favorite team pay-per-views. This is such a strange pay-per-view to associate with the Macho Man, but okay. I think it's just anything that they sponsor by Slim Jims, they need him there, right? That's what it seemed like. It seemed like he was on the set for like a Slim Jim commercial and they're like, eh, let's just do another taping. Here we go. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, twofer. <laughs> Do you think WCW just runs in? It's like a Slim Jim ad, and they're like, "Okay, Macho, thanks, uh, thanks for that. We'll see you in the next couple months." WCW just run in, like, "Oh, well, you're running the camera. Do you mind doing this for a second? You know, I wouldn't be surprised. Buffer is out for the main event. He gives us the long, long list. I think it's five pages of rules for this match. I've never seen a more convoluted match actually still be pretty good and get pretty over with the fans. What is it about this match? Yeah, because I agree with you, but it's just it continues to live on. You know what? I think the modern iteration without the without the top to the cage is even better because then you're not prohibiting wrestlers from moves, which comes up a couple times in this. Oh, yeah. I don't know. It's like it's a bit like Hell in the Cell, which I don't think should work either. It's just a big cage match, right? There's not there's nothing actually special about it. It's a big cage match. And it's the same with this. Is there anything special? No, it's just a multi man cage match. But it's because still- of what it was built around. Because all the all the earlier matches anyway are like proper blood feud style stuff, and it's like this is the only way to solve this dispute is through this. And then I like the the way that it ends. It's like you can't. It's not pinfalls. It's like somebody has to give up. Like, yeah, there is something I don't know, timeless about it. I'm looking through the history of it now, and it's also the people involved in it, right? They always just have. Besides, when the Dungeon of Doom has the shark in it. Oh god! This is very, <laughs> and the Zodiac. They just have really good center of the kind of business wrestlers in it. And 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 for next year, I can't wait to get to next year. <laughs> I'm going to look for what's next year. No, don't, 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 don't. Oh my god! Okay, okay. <laughs> and the thing about it, even though it's so loved, and we're going to get into this for the match, it's super formulaic. Like the heels always win the coin toss and it's no exception here the NBO win the coin toss to get the man advantage all the time and if they don't they always find a way like to get a man advantage by like knocking someone out or tying someone up or like leaving them out of the cage you know it's not fun as a match if you let the faces have the upper hand all the match so you have to find a way to let the heels get ahead I think a big part of it is just that the better versions of it anyway 
you get to see like individual singles matches between guys who are have feuds themselves and then they all add on top of each other into the main thing. And this one, it just kind of yeah. doesn't because who cares about Conan wrestling Mongo? Like, <laughs> like it's just... <laughs> yeah, we, we have a weird cast of characters in this match. Yeah, sure. it's I mean, so... If, if you told me that the NWO was in a War Games match, this is not the team I would have picked, like, like blind. No, this is, again, very weird. I don't mind them trying to push guys, but why isn't Macho in this match? Why isn't... Why isn't Hall in it's this match? It's only because of the promo. Because the other guys weren't in the promo. Yeah, which is still bizarre. Why aren't those guys in the promo? <laughs> it's just really weird. And I, again, I don't mind, because again, these are the small-time undercard wrestlers, and you need to give them time to develop, or why would we care about the NWO? And we've made that complaint before. We don't care about the NWO undercard. I One other note before we even start the match. Mongo didn't even bring out his belt. Who who cares? Who cares about the US title? I, I, see, that, that doesn't bother me. He's got more important things than bringing out his title. Yeah, it's just... Uh, the NWO might steal it. All right, there, there's your reasoning. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's if they don't care about the titles, we don't care about the titles. I, I do get that. I, I tell you what, if this if Ultimo Dragon was in this match a couple months ago, he would have brought out all nine of his titles. <laughs> it's more, it's more. I guess Connor. Like, I mean, that is an explanation for why he's doing it. It's just I don't trust them to have made that choice anymore. Sure. And that it's just like you just yeah. forgot. Like, there's not actually a, a thought behind this. You just forgot to bring your belt. Getting into the match itself a little bit. Strangely, both teams start at ringside this time, and they usually don't do that, right? At they least last, last year, year. At least last year, they they came like out through the entrance ramp. Yeah. Yeah. So if it's, it feels like the the people at ringside should be trying shenanigans more, but they don't. They're just kind of really polite and they just stand there. They don't even go and beat up the other team. You can just go beat up the other team if they're all there. Why don't you do that? Yeah, that that's kind of like the slight problem with this match is like you, we've had so much build up, we've had so much heat between the the, the two teams that well. it's like all right, let's fight. Yeah. No, you have to you have to wait five minutes. You have to wait your turn. Stop yeah, it, no. <laughs> there's not enough <laughs> animosity in it at all. Yeah, no. The first people in for each team are Benoit and Buff. Buff has the stuff and taught the first two guys in. They have five minutes. Would be more work rate. I thought maybe it would be six and Benoit or something, but. It's just throwing Benoit off the cage, and then it's just buff. The bumps that Benoit does. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, the, so they're phoning it in in the action, because all they're doing is punches and throwing each other into what, the cage. Chris isn't. What are you talking about? <laughs> but what I mean is like the, the choreography of it. They're not doing a match. They're not trying that hard. But then Chris takes a bump, which is a back body drop, in between the cage and the ring. Just a hard part of the apron. So they're not trying very hard to set up a good sequence of matches, but sure, Chris will just bump at that part of the ring for no reason at all. That's not necessary. I actually think um, the two of them starting is probably the best they could go with in terms of the wrestlers. Like, because like you're never going to have like Nash is never going to come in first, and God knows anybody wants to have Conan in first. And then uh, six I can, is I can see six, yeah, yeah. Six is kind of I think he's held back because he's like in wrestling flair, so it makes more sense for him to come in later, kind of thing, right? So, yeah. That's and fair. I think they they want Buff to get over, and this is his chance, like to get a bit more time by himself and do some stuff. And no, that makes a lot of sense. He's a bit bland, but they do they do have fate in Buff, and he's a, he's a better wrestler than I thought he was before his injury. And yeah, it's just ended up to a bland start to the match. I there was this weird one as well that Chris tried to to Buff. Speaking of kind of bland, you can't really suplex 
each other in the cage, except snap suplexes, because the roof is really low. But he's still kind of like suplex buff into the cage, and then just kind of let him go on the apron, because he wasn't like, they couldn't get the full extension of the suplex. So it didn't come off great. Yeah, that was scary. He tries to go for the flying headbutt as well. It was just kind of yeah. the one where he like leans down, but his his head is very close to the ceiling. Yeah, no, he definitely also just bangs his head when he does it because his trajectory is so low, he can't pull up or protect his own head at all. So when he misses, he just whams his head off the canvas. So at this point, I have to bring this up. So we, we get the We Want Sting crowd chance. I think the problem with this particular match kind of the wrestlers I think know this is like they, they didn't want to have like a, you know, like a regular thought out match because well, the crowd's not going to care because they're expecting something to happen at the end, either sing to come up like something with Hennig, anything like th- there's going to be some kind of surprise. It seemed like it. it. It just, it just felt like something unexpected was going to happen. Your thought. Yeah. And also every time these pay-per-views happen now, cause you build up sting so much. If he doesn't appear, it's like the crowd are disappointed. Like they paid for something that didn't show up really cool part about this war games match is just like, well, how does Sting get it in the cage then? It's like, it's supposed to be locked. It's actually a nice barrier for like, or nice barrier for the NWO. It's like, haha, we have the protection. So he can't get it. Uh, that would have been so cool. That It would have, it would have been cool. Cause like he's come under the ring before too. So that could have been his surprise under the ring. Yeah. I kind of, I, I, once I saw there was enough of a gap to fit Lex in, in the previous match, I'm like, Ooh, will someone come from under the ring? No. Spo- spoilers, no. Never mind. <laughs> NWO, of course, win the, uh, win the toying cost because the, the heels have to. And for a while, Chris manages to fend off Conan, the next man in, and uh, keep them off their advantage. But Numbers Game gets there eventually until Mongo comes in and cleans house. So on and so forth <laughs> until Six comes in. While Six is in, though, Hennig comes down to ringside and tells Flair he's ready to fight, even though he has a sling on. Rick is checking his arm for some reason. Rick, you're not a doctor. It's not your job. But he's checking on uh, Hennig's arm to see if he can fight. Flair says he'll go in first, and Hennig can wait till last. Flair, of course, uh, takes control of the match, as Flair's want to do. Nash dominates for a while when he comes in. Sorry, I'm not pointing out more spots here, but it's just throwing people against cages and throwing some punches and one or two signature moves. Eventually, we get the countdown, though. We get the countdown from Buffer for Hennig to come in. He breaks the suspense, though, by halfway through his breakdown going, by the way, Kurt Hennig is coming into the ring. (laughs) Like, no, the whole point was supposed to be you're counting down. We don't know if he's going to get in the ring or not. But he tells us, I think, about at the 20 count. He's like, Kurt Hennig into the ring in 20 seconds. Thanks, Buffer. <laughs> Hennig does indeed get into the ring, and it looks like the faces are already on top. This is going to be the end. And he takes off the sling. He has two handcuffs that he's spinning around kind of awkwardly. <laughs> Goes to beat up Nash in the corner, but he turns and hits Mongo instead. He starts beating down the horsemen as they all get cuffed to the ceiling, except Flair. Nash gets a mic and he taunts all of them, asking if they'll surrender. None of them will, and Chris even spits in their face every time he's asked. They jackknife Flair and do a couple other moves to him. They then drag him over to the door, which is open and hasn't been closed for some reason. Terrible officiating, shoddy officiating, marring another wrestling bout. And they threaten to close the door on his head, uh, slam the door on his head if they don't surrender. Mongo surrenders in a kind of an awkward way where no one knows if the match is over. He says it's done or something. But when they confirm the match is over, the dastardly Hennig slams the door on Flair's head anyway. 
We end the show at the end of the road, two sweeting to the camera, and Flair bloodied and covered in a towel, which I guess means he's dead now. <laughs> Guys, I ran through that match very quickly because there wasn't much highlights to point out besides the ending. What do you think of the ending? I don't think there's much to talk about in the match itself. It's a bit depressing, isn't it? Uh, it is. <laughs> like, it is. You've built up this story and like basically a typical way is that the bad guys get to come up and they really don't. Good guys just look like complete rubes and uh, get fooled into some false sense of security. I, it, it sounds even worse now because you, you pointed out that Flair was like checking his sling. How would he not have seen those handcuffs? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just occurred to me, but yeah, it's so, it's so depressing and it's, it's really grim because like they really are absolutely decimated on live pay-per-view to end the show and there's just no comeback. Oh, it's, it's horrible. Yeah. I think Flair's selling of the, the cage door just, it just encapsulates that, that feeling because he is squealing. He is screaming in pain and Oh yeah. You just feel so bad. And, and like, like I said, like all the nitros before this, like even the commentators have just been very demoralized. Like, oh, NWO again. They're they're fucking killing us right now. What WWE WWE copied the spot at one stage with their cages, and I can't remember who takes it. I'm sure it's Mick. <laughs> it's invo- Mick is involved in it for sure. I think China does it to Mick. Yeah. So this doesn't hurt. Like the whole spot with I love this spot with Flair because it it looks gruesome. It looks like he got his head crushed. But realistically, that's a hollow piece of steel surrounded by mesh that isn't heavy you could slam that off someone that would barely feel it it's not it's not going to hurt them where they just copied it with mick china like swings the cage way too hard and just absolutely concusses foley but on this day it's a really smart spot that looks really effective and nearly certainly just didn't hurt at all or very little What's even more effective too? Flair takes, I think, like a month or two off after this too. I think he has some, he has some kind of like cosmetic surgery or something like that. But still, good time to to use the spot to take some time off, kind of write him off the storyline so he's not mm. back, you know, tomorrow. So it, yeah. the spot is definitely effective, and it's probably the best part of the show. I really enjoyed the part. Uh, also, I just wanted to talk about like WCW has really had a problem with when new wrestlers come in. They do they do this whole whose side are they on type thing. And I think this was the most effective buildup. I know at the start, like I said, it wasn't is pretty cringy, but like this whole arc with Kurt of like, he's this free agent, which group is going to get him. And it comes up to this building climax. I, I just thought it was really well done, actually. Yeah, I like the storyline mostly. The thing that bothers me is I think Hennig would actually be a really good horseman. I, I, I do too, but this is like, oh, random Nitro. Oh, the giant, the giant is turning on this group and oh okay and then the other guys are like yeah new nwo member here you go <laughs> this one was like on a pay-per-view it had a story behind it it wasn't just a random occurrence on nitro there was a bit of weight yeah yeah here mid carter you're in the nwo he's basically just like shot all over arn anderson's legacy on pay-per-view it was sorry it was in charlotte wasn't it or was it in Carolina? Yeah, it was It was in Flair country. Yeah, okay. Yep. So mm-hmm. even better, like, it's in the middle of horseman country and he's just, like, uh, from a height. The The only thing I, I would question about it is, um, I'm trying to think of how many bigger guys that have come across that they've done that, like, whose side are they on? And has anybody not picked the NWO? Raven hasn't, hasn't really picked, but he's kind of a different story. 
So Raven actually is in WCW now, but the reason they ha- really haven't given him anything is because they've had a lot of lawsuit or legal issues with Raven because ECW has been like suing over the character and all that stuff. So I think that's why they're like, like, Hey, he's kind of with a WCW. We forgot this whole story or whatever. I think that's pretty much, pretty much it goes. Okay. Brett doesn't, right? Yeah, that's later. Tibiasi eventually went to WCW. Same thing with uh, big Bubba. He eventually went back, but yeah, as far as having a choice, I guess Jarrett, decided to be in WCW. Yeah. I guess I guess it just they're not really showing the good guy side very well, I guess. No. No one's like showing up and being like I'm sick of the NWO. Yeah. No one's like, "Oh, I've been watching TV and it's been like boiling my blood what you disrespectful people are doing on TV." Something like like a real blue chipper baby face coming in and going, "Fuck you guys." Yeah. I I I, yeah. I get what you're saying. I think that what what makes it better too cuz like the Arn promo was so convincing and it was like, finally, WCW finally got a guy. And then all of a sudden it's the, it's the double reversal. Yeah. Oh no, it definitely works for this. Yeah. Yeah. And the ending was like, I wish it wasn't spoiled. Cause like, obviously we all, we all knew that he was going to be in the NWO. I knew this was coming right here, but I'm sure at the time I would have been surprised by this. Yeah. As, as I said, I, I would have liked him to be a horseman cause he's such a perfect fit, but that's why it's such a good turn. Right. Because yeah. he is such a perfect horseman, he would he would actually be do the Arn Anderson role really well. I think maybe a bit too pretty boyish for it, but yeah, I can't wait for him to probably do nothing now. I can't I can't remember what happens after this, but he gets a title in like less than a week. I forgot. Uh, yeah, Jarrett does not wrestle Mongo; he wrestles Headache for the U.S. title. Uh, okay. yeah, but yeah, I could very easily see them do this and then go, yeah, whatever, and then he doesn't really do anything else with the NWO at all. I think that's a big problem with turning people, right? Because once you turn them, you expect a big storyline for them. But honestly, Hennig is probably fine as a US title kind of level guy. You probably don't want to put much more on him and you don't want to, just because he was in WWE, you don't want to have to like jump him completely. But when you put such a big storyline of betraying, uh, you know, betraying Arn Anderson on him, then, you know, you expect him to be higher up the card. And realistically, they're probably just going to have a bit of a title run and then let him be the in the mid card scrum and not do much yeah actually i think this is a good time to, to talk about the mid card here because i was telling gus about this we're, we're having a major shakeup in the mid card here because six this is his last match in wcw oh wow i mean for, for for the podcast he will obviously he has a tag match with uh with scott hall because actually nash after this he gets hurt for the rest of the year so this is actually a big point in the history of the company so we lose i think a key member in this whole angle because he becomes a big player in WWF. But I, I, I think his run in WCW was surprisingly, I thought it was very, very good. Actually. Sixes. Yeah. I've, I've enjoyed yeah. him, and I, I didn't like his WWF runs as much. Really? No, I don't. I think he's, I, I, I think he's like the worst member of the X consistently. What? No way. And then <sighs> after, after that, all his single stuff is like really bad. Disagree. Absolutely not. Billy Gunn was in that, yeah. in Billy, that group. Billy Gunn <laughs> is fantastic. And he's like oh, six. Four. He's like six four. Billy Gunn's like six four. He does those tree moves really well. He has that theme song everyone loves. Those awful promos he does. Yeah, don't let's not let's not give him <laughs> Let's not give Billy There's Gunn no away. way. He gets like a singles run for like half a second and then they realize he can't talk. I there's no way this is Sean Waltman's best run as a wrestler. No way. You're right. No. X Factor is his best run. There you go. 
Definitely. <laughs> tell, going into going into the podcast, if you're going to tell me like, oh, Six is going to wrestle he's in... He's definitely more successful in WWF. Yeah. yeah. But even, yeah. Even, the, even here, he's wrestling main events. He's wrestling Flair. Like, I did not expect this going into this run. So I, I thought he did yeah. actually a good job. Some of his promo work... Some of his promo work at WWF is so bad. Yeah. He pulled some weight here. He didn't drag down the MWO a lot. So I, th- I think it's a huge subtraction from the group. He's He's one of the better members for sure. I have no idea why he left. I don't really like to hear that story. It's I didn't want to bring it up too much because it's a lot of rumors and shoot interviews. Apparently, he gets fired because he gets a concussion. But who knows? He I, did I, a he actually did a, a interview there at Starcast. Um, the short end of the day was that he gets fired because, but he's been injured for ages, and he ends up getting fired from home. Oh wow! And so then he shows up in. WWF like shortly afterwards but I mean he said in the interview there like literally last week he's like I mean yeah it sucks that I got fired from home but he's like what else is he supposed to do I'm not at work like there's no other way for me to get fired the fired from home thing isn't as bad as fired for being injured he'd been injured for a very long time okay like like Connor is saying like he's not in the company when it's like yes, it's right after the the WrestleMania that Austin wins the belt. So it's literally like which is ninety eight. Yeah, it's like six months after this, or more than that. Yeah, yeah. If he doesn't wrestle on WCW for like eight months, like, I guess it still feels bad if it's like a legitimate injury and he's like, "There's nothing I can do. I just, I need to get back." But I understand that he's not like he's disposable, right? But they've wasted money on such weird other things. Like, I'm sure there's more to it. I'm sure there is more to it than that. I'm trying to give the cliff notes. Really. Yeah, no, no, yeah. That's, that's fair. It's, it's right. just weird because they do seem to have confidence in him. And he is doing well and he's getting over. I always thought he did way worse because he jumped ship. I thought he wasn't being used or like I thought he'd just have that NWOB music and be on the Cruiserweight titles. And then he jumped ship because they offered him like a, a bigger run. But no, he they, like he's in the main event of Fall Brawl, and right. he is definitely like second tier NWO. But he's like the the mini boss of the second tier of NWO. <laughs> you know, I'd like count him in the main tier. Yeah, yeah, it's complete opposite of Jared. Jared's like, eh, whatever, you can go. It, it's like you yeah. don't want to keep Six around. <laughs> like he's he's a good guy to have around. But yeah, besides besides him, I mean, we have a lot of other incoming talent to take third place. I mean. Perry Saturn is going to be here soon. And Ooh, I love Perry Saturn. Bill Goldberg is starting his run soon. Yeah. So we'll be talking about him very soon. So WCW is going to look very different in the next few shows. Yeah, they're really starting to look like the WCW you like remember from the, the yep. wars. Yep. Met Perry Saturn, I think. What? I don't think what? I'm Perry's so good. Fine. Who's his tag team partner? Cronus. John Cronus. Yeah, why, why isn't Cronus over? Why didn't they get the, is it called the Eliminators? Is that the tag yeah. team? Saturn wanted to get away from the tag team. Apparently, in the ECW, he wanted to get away, oh. Oh, get away from the tag team, and they wouldn't let him. Cronus is not a good wrestler either, so I think oh, that's, that's right. part of the reason. Yeah, he has <laughs> such a good finish, though. Total elimination is such a good finish, Dave. You, you got to do it like Joey Styles does. <laughs> I don't think I can. I don't think I can match Joey. I'll practice my Joey Styles and come back one day. Maybe when we do total elimination. <laughs> Maybe when we do the CW. It's funny. Like the more I'm, the more I'm watching like this mid '90s stuff, and like of the four guys that came over, like it's quite clear that two of them were were good, and two of them yeah. just weren't. <laughs> to me, uh, anyway. I'm looking forward to seeing Perry like in his prime, and maybe be given some actual time for matches that don't involve him talking to a mop. I don't know. Wait, what? 
We'll, we'll see. We'll I, see. I remember. We'll see. I, re- we'll see. I remember having good memories of Perry Saturn in WCW. Maybe that comes in late '98, but I, I think he's a positive player at least, uh, better than Jarrett and some of the other mid card acts. That oh we're yeah, seeing. for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I, I'm excited to see what, what happens. I'm I'm excited to see the the beginning of the Bill Goldberg run as well. I think his first match is coming up literally in like two weeks. I can't wait to see them fight so hard to keep the Raven character and then mess it up completely. That's WCW for you. <laughs> <laughs> so another show in the books, another War Games uh, come and gone. Fergus, tell me, what was your overall thoughts on the pay-per-view and which side are you on at the end? I mean, it's really a, really a show built around one match. The rest of it is kind of whatever. Like, there are good matches. I'm not saying that, but if I was recommending this to people, I would just tell them, just watch the main event. That's the only thing that actually matters going forward. It's fine. The ending is great. And I mean, you have to be on the NWO side because why would you want to be on the sneaky WCW side who are like using fake referees to win their matches? <laughs> and how about you, Connor? What did you think of that pay-per-view overall and whose side are you on? Uh, enjoyable pay-per-view, actually pretty watchable. And the, the Nitros were actually pretty watchable as well the, the past couple of weeks. I, I can see why WCW is winning at the ratings at this point. Pretty much the same as Gus. It's a, it's a one-match card, pretty much. I mean, the Jericho match is great, and there's a lot of other really good matches on it. But as far as storyline, yeah, it's just the war games, and it, it really paid off nicely. And how can I not be on the NW side? That's because Arn Anderson is the fucking shit. And... <laughs> He is not with WCW anymore, so that, that that's why that passes. As for me, I agree. One match card, and that match is Faces of Fear versus <laughs> the Spooky Boys. Yeah. The actual, actual only match I cared about. I like War Games, but besides the surprise ending, they put not much effort into any of the action. I do think there was a lot more fire in this. As sad as the ending was, I love, you know, the heels going through hurting Flair anyway. Such a superb heel move. Really well built up. Like, obviously it wasn't planned like this because Arn's retirement wasn't planned. But if it takes something like that to spark this, what was very boring cycle feuds, I'm I'm happy to an extent it happened. I think I'll be on WCW's side. I feel too much for Arn. I want them to get their revenge after what they did to poor Flair for losing his best wrestling buddy. Looking forward to see, hopefully, some comeuppance in the next pay-per-view. That'll be us for another edition of the WCW vs. NWO podcast. Follow us on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle WCW vs. NWO podcast. Connor Wells, can they find us? Well, you can find us on our home on SoundCloud or on any other podcast app or podcast site. Uh, If we're not on anything else, uh, let us know and I'll submit our RSS feed there. And you can also check out our Vimeo page. It's also at the handle WCW versus NWO podcast. Hopefully we could be posting more videos uh, like our humorous Conan match. That is a delight. We also did a Clash of the Champions retrospective, which uh, we'll probably be talking about a little bit more when uh, WCW Thunder comes out. And that will be the start of 98. So... Look forward to talking about all of that. From me, Connor and Gus, thanks for listening. And join us next time when an inferno gets put out. <laughs>